Land Ho 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 is what Seda said when he discovered the new world. Isn't that right, Russ? Yeah, I think I remember that. I was. Uh... That's Gary Larson from uh, The Far Side. Oh, okay. The Far Side, the far a comic side. that came yeah. out in when I was in college in the 1980s. That was one of the funniest ones. You can still see it, by the way, listeners, if you do a search for that Land Ho 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 on. <laughs> on uh, the internet, on Google, or whatever search engine you use. I think that's hilarious. I still yeah. remember it 30 years later. I went to a far side exhibit once, and it was uh -huh. just all of these you know, sort of uh, partition panels arranged, and mm -hmm. you would just walk around and sort of sidestep <laughs> to the next cartoon. <laughs> and, you know, he'd let out a chuckle and then shuffle to the next one. It was a really unusual kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, they were all hilarious, yeah, too. They were great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just back in the day, too, it was just so new and kind of, you know, because nothing was like that. Everything was sort of, like, really planned out. And then you had these really yeah. oddball sort of, um, you know, little <laughs> sort of wordplay jokes and, you know, odd things. It was just so great. It really felt like you were stepping into a new world <laughs> and then, you know. So, ho, ho, ho. We're going to be uh, getting merry here. Are you feeling merry? I'm feeling merry. I'm feeling You know why? Because my drink of choice tonight is the Christmas beer, Stella Artois. That is oh. not an ad, by the way, but it should be. Stella Artois, actually, it's a, it, it was originally in, released as a Christmas beer. It was only sold at, at Christmas time. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And people liked it a lot, so now they just sell it all the time. Yeah, it's true. And mm. I even have a special Stella Artois glass to drink it in. Oh, you do? Like I that. think I have one of those too, yeah. They look nice. I got into this kind of thing in France because they always serve um, like beer in like its special glass. Like mm -hmm. if you get a different kind of beer, it's, it comes in its, its own different right. shaped glass and stuff. I really like that. Well, I've been nervous because uh, I've heard a rumor that our official podcast beverage, the Knob Creek Single Barrel, has been uh, discontinued and not available in Japan anymore. So That would be bad news. I, I, I've still seen it on the shelves, but now that you've said that, it'll probably disappear tomorrow. Yeah. I'll have to get down to the, to the liquor store there and pick one up. Just one, uh, one place told me when they checked on it. So we may need a new official beverage for 2023. But uh, we'll yeah, work on we that. Do? They've taken all our official beverages away because it was Blanton's before it was Knob Creek. But then Blanton's kind of raised their price like to like yeah. well, Booker's, $80 yeah, Booker's. a bottle or something. It was, it was Booker's, Booker's, right? Yeah, okay, Booker's, yeah. yeah. So, right. Any bourbons that want to sponsor us, um, we're listening. Yeah. <laughs> if you are. Yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> we're listening. <laughs> you can have your bottle yeah. featured prominently in the next photo that we take. Here at Adult Music, the podcast with music for the mature mind. This is our special Christmas episode, episode number 92. And we've got a lot right. of good holiday music here this evening for you. And who are you? I'm Russ. And I'm Mike. Okay, there you go. Yeah, get <laughs> so people the get the voices straightened out. If you don't know us yet, yeah, we've got well, six releases and a few more that we'll mention that I tagged onto our uh, listening list this week. You can find uh, all those. I'll tell you in a minute about those. Yeah, me too. When we decided to do this Christmas episode, I got, I had six, I had actually five albums that I wanted to cover and I cut it down to three. And then I found out about another one that looked like it would have been really good, but <laughs> it's a little too late now and right. I'm not going to do it. I just learned about it a little late. Actually, I kind of knew about it early, but I didn't really check it out until... I'll tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you all six of them, but we're only going to talk about three of the classical ones at length. Well, the playlist now is up to 12 hours <laughs> once I added all those. so. <laughs> oh, you put them all in already? I put them up in there, yeah. So. You put all six of the classical ones up that I want to 
just mentioned? Yes, I did. Yeah. Good. Okay, because I want people to hear those anyway. That's cool. Anyway, before we get into the holiday music selections, I want to remind everyone that in the episode description, you can find links for all the music that we'll discuss to Spotify and Apple Music, except for one I'll mention later. Curiously, it's not on Apple Music. Also, at the top of the description, you can find the link to that full episode playlist. That's 12 hours of Christmas music, uh, all in one place on yeah. Deezer, our favorite CD quality streaming platform. You can also follow us there. They have podcasts and check out the podcast on that platform as well. Just look for us, Adult Music Podcast. Get the podcasts and the playlist in one place. Now, if you don't see the full description or the list or the links aren't active on whatever platform you listen to us on, you can always check out our host site, Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Everything is easy to follow and all the links work from our host site. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, please do follow or subscribe wherever you listen to us. Take a moment, give us a ranking or write a short review. That helps us get listed in the recommendations and then we get more listeners and that makes us happy as well. You can also come over and check out our Facebook page to get some extra info, see our handsome faces and new releases throughout the week. It's a bunch of new jazz stuff I mm. put up there this week as always. You can leave a comment there. If you want to get in touch directly with any other comments or questions, you can get us by email. Our address is adultmusicpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. One more thing, we're sharing our audiences, trying to get uh, listeners spread around with some other podcasts. I recommend a few to you. The links will be at the end of the description. The first one is something came from Baltimore. It's a jazz blues R&B interview podcast that features interviews with some musicians that we've had on our own podcast recordings from Todd Marcus, Joey Dan Francisco, and that's by Tom Galker. There's also famous interviews and neon jazz. That's by Joe Domino. He's got uh, artist, musician, and writer interviews in a variety of genres there. And same difference, two jazz fans, one jazz standard, Johnny Valenzuela and Tony Hubbard look at several versions of the same jazz standard each week. They play snippets of it, and then they discuss history of the original and the different versions. So uh, check that out if you're that, That's a really good idea. Ends. I would listen to that myself. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. So all the links are in there. Yeah. No, we haven't been mentioning that one. We just added that one this week, right? Yeah. So when, we, uh, when Tom Galker <laughs> organized this little exchange, we got the link for another podcast called Same Difference which is not a music right. podcast. It's more of a uh, I was kind of wondering discussion. why we were talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I don't but, know if our audiences okay. have anything in common. But uh, anyway, we got that all yeah. ironed out now. So these are three other music podcasts with interviews and uh, looking at standards. So we're going to put that too, new link so up, right? The link will be corrected. The new link's going episode. up, right? Yep. That's nice. Yeah, okay. It's a big Christmas present to you all, listeners. Yeah, we'll put Tom's uh, little uh, promo trailer at the end of the episode, and he's running ours on his. So hopefully we'll get some cross-pollination nice. of podcast heads to uh, check things out. Okay, sounds good. I guess I should start with the um, the ones I talked about at length and then add the other ones later, huh? Okay. Yeah, the ones I have, I'm just going to mention at the end because, you know, they're standard fare. Right. Okay. So I'm going to talk about three of these uh, releases at length and then the other three I'm just going to mention because I actually haven't heard the other three yet, but oh, okay. I kind of sampled them a little bit. Well, I sampled I know what they sound like more or less, but yeah. uh, I didn't really get in detail in them. And they're pretty long. Yeah. I'll mention it later. Now, you said uh, you called this a Christmas music podcast, but I think in the classical 
And I think it would be more accurate to call this music Christmas because it's not Christmas music in the sense that it's going to make you all merry and bright and things oh. like that, you know. Well, mine's not completely like that either. So my jazz selection, it's more of a Well, you had a, you have a few more. Yeah, yeah well, I guess so. Some of your music that you picked this week, I wouldn't have known it was uh, holiday related if I hadn't <laughs> no. uh, read the titles. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a lot of talking my way through this one to kind of convince people that it is. But uh, I've got a few things there. Okay. So the first one that I've got to go through is by one of my personal favorite composers from the Baroque era, Claudio Monteverdi. So he was one that he was like the uh, one of the, er the the first really successful like Baroque era composer. Mm. And uh, this is a, a work. It's not actually his piece. It's called the Vespero di Natale which means Christmas Vespers. And this is a, a set of works from various sources that the um, conductor has arranged into a, a Christmas mass. It's, so it's not, really, it's not really a legitimate kind of mm. you know, big work of his. It's just a lot of little works of him and um, mostly Giovanni Gabrielli, but we'll get to that in a minute. This is by La Cetra Baroque Orchestra and Vocal Ensemble Basel in Switzerland, conducted by Andrea Marcone. So they have a they have an Italian name, La Cetra, and then they get into this German thing that I can't <laughs> say, Baroque Orchestra, and Und Vocal Ensemble Basel. And this is on the Deutsche, Deutsche Grammophon label. Hmm. Yes, I saw this. Oh, this looks pretty good. Anyway, this uh, Venetian, it's a Venetian Christmas Vespers. So think about uh, if anyone's ever been to Venice, uh, think of St. Mark's and that uh, amazing interior that that onion domed cathedral has. There are all sorts of balconies and ledges. And so the, the music kind of, the musicians were just spaced all over the church to get these mm -hmm. really odd effects. And um, you get a little bit of that on this recording. Well, out of two speakers anyway. The Christmas Vespers would be the evening prayer on the eve of, uh, on Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. really. Okay, so it's not a Christmas day mass. And uh, Andrea Marcone has assembled this. It is inspired by the sounds of the music that was performed at the Great Christmas Vespers in St. Mark's. It tries to give a picture of my, what might have been heard. I actually like these sort of projects, the what might have been heard, you know, trying to imagine right. this. Because they're, pre they're pretty imaginative when they put these uh, together. And you get a lot of works on the same album that you normally wouldn't hear. So I, I sort of like this thing. Um, in Venice, over the Christmas period, while Monteverdi was Maestro di Capella from 1613 to 1643, that's a long time. Yeah. It's sort of like my time in Japan. It's about the same. Maybe it's time to leave. <laughs> where would you go? <laughs> about 30 years. Actually, now I don't know where I would go. <laughs> Everything's, I seem to be uh, comfortably ensconced here, and I really can't imagine. I don't know where to go now. It's really something will open up, though. We'll see. Anyway, a lot of the works um, taken when this mass are taken from Monteverdi's um, collection of works, uh, Selva Morale e Spirituale. And some of those works you may have heard, any, uh, if there are any classical fans out there that like Monteverdi's music and know something about it, from the um, Vespero della Beata Vergine, the, uh, the Vespers for the Blessed Virgin, one of my favorite set of works ever. It's a collection of works, the Selva Morale Spirituale is the collection of works from Monteverdi's years as Maestro di Capella at St. Mark's and uh, from that whole period, 1613 to 1643. The Vespers for the Blessed Virgin were 1610. So um, they got a lot of those works wound up in this collection mm. too. 
Each psalm here is introduced by a brief organ preludes by Giovanni Gabrielli. They're very short. They just set a mood, really. And he was the organist at St. Mark's until 1612. He wasn't there when Monteverdi was there. They didn't overlap. If you buy the CD, the booklet note goes deeply into the way the Mass is structured in this case and the history of each composition included here. I'm not going to go too deeply into that, but if you're really interested, uh, that's where to look. Okay, this particular recording was made in Treviso at the Museo Santa Catarina, which is a deconsecrated 14th century church, where an organ constructed by Francesco Zanin in 1988 faithfully reflects the characteristics of the type of organ Monteverdi specified for these works. Hmm. And the Macron, I'm sorry, Macron, sorry, Macron is the French prime minister, not him. <laughs> Andrea Marcon, the, the conductor, says that the sounds produced by the Santa Catarina organ guided and shaped the ensemble's way of singing and playing. Yes, I believe that. Intensifying the effects, the chiaroscuro, the harmonic tension, and the dynamic palette, producing a surprisingly modern, majestic, bright, and vivid sound image of the music of Monteverdi and the Venetian 17th century. Yeah, um, what he says there about uh, intensifying the, the effects is really true because this organ is really loud. I hope your roof is on your house tightly because this could take it right off, this recording. I'm, I'm actually pretty amazed that organs were this powerful back in the day. I've heard period organs and they're usually pretty um, like sort of fluty sounding. They don't really generally sound this powerful. I always think of the... Um, the organ as weapon as being like an American invention, you know, where <laughs> in, instead of like uh, putting dynamite around the building to uh, take it down, you could just, you know, turn up the volume and push the lowest bass pedal down and that'll take the whole building down around it, you know. So this organ sounds like it could do that too. Anyway, let's talk about this. This is a two CD set if you are listening on CDs and it's just a long list of tracks on um mp3 if you're going to listen to it via streaming it's probably a good idea to uh separate it into parts when you listen because otherwise you'll be sitting there for two hours wondering what's <laughs> going on anyway the first uh, piece deus in adiutorum is just a chant and then we have monteverdi's domine ad adjuvandum which is from the um vespers the the vespers for the blessed virgin from 1610 um if you've heard that work this is the opening of that work it's the opening of this one too it's very cool it's got this very strong declamatory vocal intro here. There's some wonderful heralding horn themes. Dun, 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 they just—I can imagine them ringing through St. Mark's. Here, the arrangement or the sound of the church seems to disperse the brass a lot more than usual. Uh, the choir sounds huge. It's an impressive, powerful sound. The dotted rhythm part of the composition is gently taken, but a massive sound. I've heard more satisfying performances of this than this particular one. Um, notably, John Elliott Garden's recording of the Vespers from the 1980s. Um, but this is very good. And this is a good piece to set your volume to because this will really <laughs> it'll shatter glass and, you know, and just sort of, uh, you know, loosen objects <laughs> around, that are around the stereo. So be careful with that. Track two is our first... Um, Theme for Organ by Giovanni Gabrielli. And uh, then the third track is uh, Monteverdi's Psalm 109, Dixit Dominus. And I've always loved this setting too. This is also was used in the, the Vespers for the Blessed Virgin. It has this um, beginning with the, the word Dixit being repeated by this um, tenor voice. 
And these voices also, they're not operatic. They're sort of like the early Baroque type voices where mm. it's just sung almost like it's a, like a, a popular song or a folk song. Okay. So they use those kind of voices, not the big, you know, room filling type uh, voices we get from 19th century opera. The texture of the choir and instruments together is so thick that it's hard to hear through it all. It really just yeah. forms this sort of opaque wall to the, the back of the, hall, the room and the recording. Uh, Mokon is going for spectacle here, I would say, with this arrangement. Or this um this set of forces. I like the build-up from the vocals to the full texture from the words um take on principium in the first minute. And I have to say I found it hard to follow the Latin text in the full choir and instrumental <laughs> sections. <Me> yeah, because <laughs> there's so much sound. Uh, enunciation gets less clear with more singers and gets a soft, buttery quality to it. Any of us who have uh, played around in a recording studio know that because you keep layering sounds on and they just kind of start getting really no edge to them anymore. Uh, the text is from a psalm, and I have to say it's a pretty violent text for Christmas. But in the constantly warring Italian states of the 17th century, I guess it must have been comforting to citizens of Venice to hear of God's power. So there you have it. They were going to be safe because they were going to smite their enemies. <laughs> That's actually basically what this text is about. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We live in different times now, so... This might seem odd. And the recording's made at a bit of a distance, and understandably so, given the full sound of the choir and the room sound of the church it's recorded in, which the engineer obviously wanted to capture. The solo voices wind up being quiet on the recording, but remarkably clear. Do not turn up the volume on these sections. You <laughs> might really damage your house and your speakers, too. No, no problem with that for me, though. I have a really good pair of speakers now. Anyway... Track four, Alessandro Grandi. Oh, Felix. Oh, lucidissima Knox. Oh, happy lucid night or clear night. Grandi was the um, deputy maestro di cappella in the ducal chapel in Venice from 1620. So he was there and Monteverdi was there. Uh, this is more of a Christmassy text. It has uh, Oh, happy, oh, brightest night. Uh, the dotted rhythm was apparently in compositional circulation at the time. We hear it a lot in these works on this recording. Um, it's not just a Monteverdi signature. A lot of people use it. Okay, track five, we get another Gabrielli uh, organ uh, written down improv, which is about a minute long. Then we get Monteverdi, Psalm 110, Confitebor Tibi Domine 3, alla francese. This entire piece is rather quiet, with the tutti being played at a simple forte volume. It sounds pretty far away, but again, the focus is good given the distance. All the singing is well executed and really very enjoyable. I have a special affinity for Monteverdi's music myself, especially his melismatic setting of vowel sounds. So I'm really enjoying all the singing on this album. Track 7, disc 1, Francesco Usper, Sonata a Otto con Quattro Soprani. This is a gorgeous sonata for eight brass instruments all melding together in the lower registers for the chordal introduction. Fanfares introduced by high brass in the final minute. Oh, sorry, the first minute, not the final minute. Then there's a call and response between brass and thin vibratoless strings, which is appropriate for the period. We need to keep that in mind. String sounds weren't very warm back then. They didn't really do much vibrato. The brass itself is rich and has a burnished sound that only period brass can get. It's more matte than gloss, I would say. Um, very appealing, and I like the way the low brass harmonies came across in this work. Track 8 is another organ piece by Gabrielli. We go to track 9, Psalm 111. We're just moving through the Psalms one step at a time, mm. okay? This one is Beata's Vir, and uh, this one is also the one from the uh, 
Vespers for the Blessed Virgin. And I like this setting a lot too. It's played fairly softly, except for the sudden blast of the full chorus at certain parts. Uh, the contrast between the very high, sweet women's voices and the low men's voices is very appealing here too. I also enjoyed the contrasting, cautious approach taken in the third minute. A real Siciliano rhythm and feel is being applied here. Uh, Siciliano rhythm again, dun, 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 dun. It's like a notes on the first beat and the third beat of a 3-4 um, rhythm. There are lots of overlapping texts and harmonies to please the ear in this section. There's another Beatus Vier section following the words exaltabitur in gloria, which means exalted with honor. Track 10, the last track on disc 1, Alessandro Grandi, O Intemerata. This one is a text praising the Virgin, and it's played with a hush and sung with exalted devotion. The voices are all clear and without vibrato, making the intertwining vocal lines appealingly audible. It's a lovely piece, one I had never heard before, and I'm really pleased that I did. Okay, we get out of the chair, we switch to CD2, because I'm just that kind of guy. I like to, uh, I like the, uh... The uh, ritual of uh, getting up and changing the uh, the disc instead of just, you know, I do like walking around outside with my headphones and listening to the whole thing straight through too, but that's another thing. Anyway, I'll just go this way. CD2 disc one. This would be uh, track 11 on your um, streaming if you're going to listen that way. Uh, Gabrielli, we get a 38 second organ prelude. I, I haven't said anything about these. They all sound what I think of as churchy. You know, when you go into a church and you just hear like a normal organ sound that's what this sounds like they're mm. not he's not really manipulating the sound no reedy sounds no fluty sounds it's just like the the full organ played at a sort of relatively quiet volume the second uh, track monteverdi cd2 psalm 112 laudate pueri this is a familiar setting uh, for monteverdi fans we've gotten into a more subdued part of the program it's okay to turn up the volume a bit and luxuriate in the textures of the contrapuntal voices but just turn it up a little. Next track, Monteverdi again. Venite, sitientes ad aquas domini. This one comes from uh, Seconda Raccolta de Sacri Canti from, published in Venezia in 1624. And I'm not familiar with this piece. This is completely new to me. Uh, Borciani, who I'm assuming is the first voice we hear here, this is um, Alice Borciani, is pure and appealing with her high, vibratoless singing in the opening. And both singers meld voices well throughout. The other singer is uh, Francesca Cassinari. Uh, this light accompaniment by strings and organ. Either the ear has adjusted or the microphones have moved closer. But the detail in these voices and in the light accompaniment are registering very well here. And in the previous tracks on CD2. It's, I've, I noticed a change in sound. It could be my ear though. I might have just gotten used to the, the sound by this point. That does happen. Track four, Gabrielli, another um, organ prelude. Track five, we get to Monteverdi, Psalm 116. Oh, we've skipped Psalms now. This is Laudate Dominum, not the really famous one from the Vespers to the Blessed Virgin, which is one of my favorite sections of that piece. Um, this one has a striding bass line, making every beat, marking every beat as the vocalists entwine their lines. There's a wonderful chromatic descent starting at around a minute and 24 seconds and afterwards on the words misericordia eus, mercy on us. It's repeated three times and it just sounds fantastic. I like the, it's really unusual to hear this descending chromatic line in an early Baroque work like this. This is not the, or at least a, a church work, I guess. This is not the Laudata Familia from the Vespers, as I said, and it's new to me anyway. 
Track six is Giovanni Gabrielli, Sonata 18. Ah, Sonata 18, I said. Sonata 18, a 14. So it's Sonata 18, a 14. means 14 voices. This is, we finally get to hear a full Giovanni Gabrielli instrumental work here, not just an organ prelude. It's played by strings and brass, and it's 6 minutes and 48 seconds, so we're going to get a good uh, earful of it. The strings open the piece with close polyphonic texture. The brass come in with overlapping and entwining fanfares, as well as those wonderful low harmony chords at a minute and 15 seconds uh, into the track. There's a lovely moment just past the halfway point in the third minute where the bass rug is pulled from under us and we're left breathing the rarefied air of the high instruments defying harmonic gravity. It's really magical when that happens, like Baroque composers will do it. There's a famous work, uh, organ work by Bach where he does it. It's one of the chaconas or the um, passacaglias mm. for organ. It's, it's a magical effect and you can hear it here in track six. The work acts as an interlude breaking up the string of vocal works. Just before the end, there's a spectacular low brass line that leads to the final iteration of the thematic mm. material. Uh, it sounds like some kind of euphonium bass uh, from trombone. the period, something really low, like a, it's a bass trombone. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say a, like a euphonium. Okay. It's great. It's a huge blast. Six and a half minutes. Yeah. Love it. Well, yeah. The tone has an appealing rasp to it, and uh, we've been hearing smooth-toned instruments in the entire program, and this moment really registers. First of all, because it's low, and second of all, because it has like this kind of blatting sort of sound <laughs> as opposed to the uh, very smooth brass sound that we've been getting up to this point. Track 7, Monteverdi, Hymnus Christe Redemptor Omnium, uh, from his Salvo Morale Espirituale. This one has Alice, Alice Borciani and Francesca Cassinari again, along with Carlos Mena as the alto. Eva Hounde Oliveira, tenor one, and Sangor Zanto, which is, it looks like a Hungarian name. Probably not pronouncing that right, but he's the other tenor. Guglielmo Bonsanti on singing the bass. This has an appealing organ intro. Uh, the vocal part doesn't continue from the organ as you'd expect, moving as it does on triplet waves with fanfares from the trumpets in the background. It's a calm, serene piece. There are some appealing harmonic and rhythmic hiccups in it. And listen at the words uh, formam sumpseris, which means appeared in human form, at around a minute and 45 seconds, and on laudat cantico, which means song of joy, at 2 minutes and 25 seconds. That's track 7, CD2, or track 17 on your streaming. This happens at the ending phrase of every verse, and it really catches the ear. Track 8, Giovanni Valentini, Hodie Christus Natus Est. Those are words you should know, classical listeners. It means today Christ is born. So it's uh, always a piece for Christmas. So here we are. We have arrived at the key moment. Uh, this features Carlos Mena on out singing alto, Eva Saladin, and Claudio Rado on the violins. This is a true Christmas proclamation in that it's specifically written for Christmas. And in between the verses, a busy violin figure lightens the texture Carlos Mena's alto comes across as a low woman's voice. Uh, pretty interesting. It's actually a very high man's voice. But it's mm. got kind of this kind of low, you know, whiskey-drinking woman's quality to it. <laughs> anyway. My kind it's of got a mysterious... Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Bella by Barlight, you know, that guy. <laughs> Not that, that low. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. It's got a mysterious, sexually ambiguous quality to it. And uh, he's agile when he needs to be as well, this singer, Carlos Mena. Track 9 is a Giovanni Gabrielli uh, organ prelude. 
This one has a full bright sound that we associate with what we normally hear on a grand organ in the church. Track 10, Monteverdi Magnificat Uno, or One, from Salvo Morale Espirituale Venezia, 1641. The full ensemble comes in fortissimo for the beginning, so watch that volume. And Quia Respexit, the words um, Quia Respexit, there's a lovely high parallel harmony for women's voices at the two-minute mark, followed by another mighty statement by the whole choir, organ, and ensemble, starting at Quia Fecit, after the three-minute mark. Uh, don't worry, you'll notice it. <laughs> it's very striking. Another interlude at eh, Misericordia, and then at Fecit Potentium at 4 minutes and 50 seconds, we get a fortissimo dancing rhythm with full choirs and ensemble. Some tone painting is heard at Dispersit Superbos, which means he has scattered those, uh, featuring uh, tittering women's vo- verses symbolizing dispersal. Also at Exaltavi Umiles, he has exalted the humble. We get a smooth, humble vocal from two male soloists. So there's tone painting in this. Very cute. It's, it was very popular mm-hmm. during this period. Uh, so the tones, like the musical, the, the way the music is um, performed is um, sort of giving you a picture of what the words are saying. The piece goes verse by verse with the combination of voices changing with each new line. And I especially like the women's voices on this, though everyone is really fantastic. Uh, the recording at this point sounds clear without as much room reverb as at the beginning, and I'm wondering if I've just gotten used to it. Okay, track 11, we get the last of Gabriele's brief organ preludes, and then we end on track 12 with Monteverdi's Cantate Domino, which is a festive piece, a forte or mezzo forte full ensemble harmony with brass accompany this work. This isn't loud enough to take out windows, but it's got a staccato feel that lightens its step. At the 57-second mark, the festiveness begins as the rhythm livens up and lasts till the end, when the piece ends on a solidly harmonized granitic tonic chord that's going to just make you feel very secure <laughs> and uh, in, in your space there. Okay, this album, you have to understand, it's, it's a Christmas mass, so it's not Christmassy at all. But I love all the music on it. And I've heard most of the Monteverdi works before. The rest of the works on this album are all new to me. Well, they would be, wouldn't they? I guess because if I haven't heard them, they're new to me. <laughs> I loved all the music and the performances, which are all exemplary. And listened to the entire 95-minute album in a single setting. My personal preference is for smaller forces, to be honest. But this performance is supposed to model a grand Venetian Christmas mass attended by nobles and dignitaries, as well as the leaders of the time. The sound arrives at you as though you're in a church pew some distance away from where the music is being made. The layers of choir voices and instruments blow you away during tutti sections, but when there are solo voices, they sound small and far away, though they are perfectly audible. The church space is supposed to be one of the stars of this recording, and I'm happy to have a record of it. I have a lot of preferences as to how I prefer for this music to come across on a stereo recording. But this album achieves its purpose of putting you in a 17th century cathedral service on Christmas Day. And if you want to imagine yourself there, um, this album is for you. I can't fault the recording. It achieves its purposes. I just wish it had given me a better seat at the service. Yeah, the organ's the star <laughs> here for me. Uh, it's just huge. I, yeah, and, probably. Uh, filled mm. up. Uh, I'm pretty sure that my whole neighborhood was able to uh, enjoy it along with me. Mine too. The choir is clear and the the solo voices, they're just a little bit distant, as you mentioned. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're in the middle of the church there. We're not yeah. next. We're not up front. It envelops oh, you and gives you a sense that you're in that space as probably as real as you can imagine on a reproduced sound. I feel like the CD should cost less because of the seats they gave us. Otherwise, the real star for me is the low <laughs> brass, which is really great and uh, warm on some of the parts. And combined, interestingly, with the low brass rather than trumpets for this period, you have the cornets, which have a little constricted type of sound but when they have these hmm. upward runs at a really fast hmm. kind of uh, speed they're really majestic and and they're layering over yeah. each other and I you love almost that see so like uh, Monteverdi effect yeah, yeah fireworks shooting up you know so it was all hmm. very dramatic and yeah really exciting recording yeah Monteverdi's music is really unique in the entire uh, classical repertoire because after him you know, Baroque music changed a lot and yeah. uh, so he winds up being one of a kind. I also want to say that in this kind of period of you know early Baroque things, there are a lot of unexpected little harmonic weird things yeah. that happened. And just when you you know you think you're lulled in, you'll hear something. Whoa! It'll just completely change to minor suddenly, or there'll be a really interesting dissonance that happens. Those kind of things got ironed out, I think, later in Baroque and when things became a little more right. kind of predictable. Yeah, so by the time of Handel and, yeah. and Bach, they were kind of like smoother yeah. transitions, so we didn't really hear these. But they're exciting to our modern ears. A couple of like little harmonic traffic jams that are interesting to uh, you know, <laughs> listen to and how, how they the lines diverge from there. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah. So Christmas Mass for you there. We did a Christmas mass last year, too. This is kind yeah. of a nice little uh, trend we've got going here. We did mm. the Lagrenzi one last year, I remember. Yeah. Okay, I always try to get a, an instrumental work, too. Although, who knows? Next year, I might not. So this year, I've got uh, La Notte, Concertos and Pastorales for Christmas Night, performed by the Illyria Consort. And the conductor is Bojan Chichik. And I actually listened to this on uh, streaming, so I didn't write the... Um, the label down and I should really figure out what that oh, is it's Delphian it's Delphian right yeah. that's right I remember yeah they're a British label I, I think okay Delphian thanks for that okay sure. this is a set of um, Baroque uh, instrumental works and um, you might be wondering as I believe Russ was what does this have to do with Christmas it just sounds like a Baroque album yeah well in the 17th century the introduction of um, rustic effects into instrumental music changed the sound of Christmas forever in Europe. There are unusual combinations of instruments in a lot of this music and a lot of evocations via the pastoral rustic settings of the shepherds and their milieu. So basically, when you're hearing all these rustic things, you're you're with the shepherds and they were the first um, people to get news of the uh, Christ child's birth and uh, the first to see him too. So you just it's remember that album we did last year with the. Um, the songs with the shepherds and shepherdesses and yeah. that women's choir, and they had uh, the really fun sheep text. sounds yeah. in between the tracks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Vous avez des brunettes, it was called, right? Mm -hmm. That was from last year around this time. This isn't like that, but it's it's instrumental pastoral settings. And uh, there is only, I believe, one work that's specifically written for Christmas, and that's the last one, but let's get there first. The first work on the album, tracks one through five, by our good friend Antonio Vivaldi, he of the Four Seasons. And this is his Concerto in G minor, uh, subtitled La Notte, which means the night. This is RV 104. 
Okay, now this one, I've heard this before. Um, it sounds very different here, the way it's performed. La Notte, it's just about nighttime, really. And I guess here it's being uh, programmed to uh, evoke Christmas night. All right? it's not, that's not its original purpose, I should mention. It's just about an ordinary nighttime. But um, this is what conductors do. They program, they, you know, they do a program and you, you kind of sort of imagine your way into it, I guess. All right, so this work, um, the first movement, Largo, um, starts with a unison melody on strings. Whenever you hear that, that's always a really big statement that a composer is making because he's not giving you any harmony yet. He really wants you to focus on that, that melody, that theme. Uh, the approach and texture are rather lighter than we're used to in this piece. And in Vivaldi in general, it's less aggressive. It's taken at a fairly slow speed to bring out detail in the harmony. So Vivaldi, he's Italian. So um, Italians, like Baroque music, is usually um, really vivid and sort of um, bouncy and with sprung rhythms, bright. It's kind of energetic. This is energetic, but it's got a more pastel mm. sort of... Um, sound to it and that's gonna that leads me into french territory so i think they're going for a more french sound on this album in general this is the case throughout the album by the way it's not a french ensemble though i'm not actually sure where these people are from the illyria consort the second movement i like this one uh phantasmi which means ghosts this movement is taken rapidly the ghosts by the way appear at the 19 second mark Let's see if you can identify him because he's uh <laughs> He's kind of wavery. Um, there's a bassoon playing the bass in this, and it's a nice effect. Um, he's very expressive each time he appears, playing his lines with comic effect. It's, it's not just an ordinary bass. It's a very lively sort of mm. bassoon playing the continuo, and it's uh, it's kind of funny, really. It's, yeah, fun. it's fun. I, li I liked the sound he made, yeah. He really stands out, too, from the rest of the strings. He's the only one with a different timbre. Third movement, Presto, is a very brief movement with a repeated pattern that makes its way into different key areas. In the middle, there's a flourish for solo violin. The fourth uh, movement is Il Sonno, which means sleep. And um, the opening is a series of gentle sustained notes providing a bed for the upper strings, which play a soothing theme. A guitar of some sort acts as continuo. This is something else I want to mention about this recording. The continual instrument, meaning the instrument playing the bass, changes. Not in every piece, but every movement often. And sometimes in the middle of the movement, they'll change it mm. as well. So it's always it keeps your ear really engaged. You're always kind of noticing these new sounds. Like, Whoa, what just happened? Now one hears the piece uh, fall into sleep in the descending harmonies in the last 30 seconds. So listen to that tone painting effect. And the fifth uh, movement, Allegro, is stormy with the bassoon playing a big role in the bass. He's always audible due to his contrasting timbre. This piece isn't explicitly about Christmas, but you could sort of um, construe it to evoke the night, and uh, one is meant to think of Christmas Eve here. Um, it's excitingly played rhythmically with a lighter attack than we've been hearing from other ensembles in Vivaldi, which can be aggressive. So you can think of the fourth movement as going to sleep at night and then like Santa comes or Jesus is born or whatever. At this point, it would be Jesus is born since the 17th century. And uh, the Allegro section would be the, the joyful moment, I guess. Tracks six through eight are a piece by uh, Heinrich Bieber, Sonata La Pastorella. Pastorella is a shepherdess. So we're with the shepherds here. The first movement has a heavy theorbo attack in the continuo. Now, I don't have a um, list of the instruments, so I'm going by my ear here. It's just a heavy-sounding guitar-type instrument. The theme is almost brushed out of the strings like it's lint coming off a jacket. <laughs> At 42 seconds, <laughs> a new theme starts over. 
Yeah, try that. Try that uh, metaphor on when you hear this. Track six. At uh, 42 seconds, a new theme starts over droning bass, which evokes the pastoral. Okay, whenever we hear droning bass, that's like a shepherds used to play an instrument that were like a Scottish bagpipe, but a lighter version of it called a musette. And uh, it would have this droning bass line. They'd be playing a melody over that. So we hear that droning bass here in the second movement. Um, notice the long droning bass from around a minute and 10 seconds or so as the violin plays a dancing melody above it. That evokes the countryside. That's the second movement. The third movement is a pastoral dance with a lively high-stepping rhythm in the violin and high strings. The lower instruments imitate it when the phrases end. Tracks 9 through 10. Vejvanovsky, a Sonata Letitia in C major. I don't know this composer. Mm -hmm. This is a new no. name for me. Yeah. First movement, Allegro. A dotted rhythm that sounds kind of like the beginning of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, dun, that, that kind of rhythm we hear in this much earlier work. The softer middle section features a plucked instrument, probably the har harpsichord, in gentle mode. It's very thinned out and pretty here. It might not be a harpsichord, though. It might be, uh, could be something lighter than that. The opening theme comes back, and then we go back to a quieter theme for the end of the movement. Second movement and last movement is a presto. It's a country dance in 3-4 time. Uh, the rhythm is nicely drawn out of the texture. It's pretty brief at a minute and 33 seconds. The dance stops. A slow theme brings us to the final cadence. And so far, all of the so-called Christmas music on this album is pastoral in tone. Hmm. Tracks 11 through 13, J.G. Rausch. Rauch. Sonata number 10, Pastorella. Ah. More countryside dances. Yeah. First movement. Now, the thing is, you might be thinking, oh, these are all kind of same sounding. And yeah, they would be. But the ensemble and the conductor do a lot to vary the sound during each movement. And it does keep you interested. It's very interesting. Listen especially to the bass and how the instrument changes there. It's real ear candy, uh, the way the sound will often change. First movement, Vivace, has an organ continuo. Um, this has the light country dance feel to it. Second movement, Adagio, is a slow movement with a plucked string instrument sounding a bit like a Baroque guitar. And light organ continuo. Now, the contrast between the, the heavy organ in the first movement and the lighter guitar and light organ in this is really striking. So listen for that. I think you'll really enjoy it. It really kind of made me smile when I heard these changes. I like the vibratoless melting of the melodies into each other here, too. There's lots of droning bass, as one would expect from a pastoral. And then the third movement is subtitled uh, Pastorella, that's Shepherd Girl, Adagio. Uh, this movement actually gets the name of the piece, and it's slow and has an elegance to its rhythm, despite its rustic feel. There's a sudden change around a minute and 25 seconds as the material heads to its ending cadence. Okay, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this um, album is the next set of tracks, for, uh, the next two works, really from tracks 14 all the way to 18. This is an anonymous composer, and this um, work is from the Minoriten Convent Wien manuscript. This is number 87, labeled MS, a Roman numeral 14.726, and it's titled Sonata Wie schön leuchtet die Morgenstern. What I'm talking about, it was a great album called Minoriten Convent Manuscript 14726, which is what this is, by Stephanie Paulet and Elizabeth Geiger, released in 2015 on the Muso label. 
that you've never heard of because it's it's a terrible title for an album and it was also released <laughs> on a really minor label but it was a really special album it was um two violins and continuo it's just fantastic all the way through uh we're hearing some of those works here but i would seek that album out if you can find it it's uh, minority convent uh and manuscript 14 726 by stephanie Paulet, elizabeth geiger uh, muso label 2015 anyway one of those pieces is right here and uh, this will be a good sample for you although it sounded different on that album the first movement is uh contrapunct sopra la basigelos d'altri i have no idea what that means anyway this has a slightly different feel to most of the baroque music we normally hear there's a heavy organ continuo supporting a low vibratoless violin line this particular movement moves slowly and has a levitating gliding in the soft breeze quality to it uh, probably an effect given by the organ's um, strong presence with soft violins high above you can think of it as angels above the earth maybe above the solid earth they're in the air there's a lovely violin figuration in the second minute which resolves to a poignant and touching violin melody at the end touching because the organ has disappeared and lutes have taken over the continuo i like this movement a lot and that little uh sort of a shell game there where the organ mm. disappears and we get the lute little magic trick is rather uh, appealing the second movement has a march quality. It's unlabeled, as uh, it has no title. The organ is back in continuo. The violins trade a repeating figure back and forth. There's some nice double stopping. I really liked the change of pace at the ending from the three-minute mark on when the music slows. There's a speeding up circling figure, which eventually leads to the final cadence. Third movement starts adagio and then goes into an allegro. This has a lute or a guitar continuo here. I think it's a lute, probably. This sounds like an improvisation on the violin's part for the intro. It's a composed one, of course. But what I mean is it sounds free, and the violinist does well to draw the spontaneous quality out of the music. There's a lovely melting double-stopped descending line in the first minute. At a minute and 20 seconds, the allegro starts, and it's pretty chipper, with the violin playing figuration that has a flapping of wings quality, a circling of birds or angels, being that it's Christmas. Why not? The organ takes over continuo at the end, at about uh, the 2 minute 15 second mark, in what really is a bit of ear candy provided by the ensemble. So listen to that change. Fourth movement, dotted rhythm in the violin line, is optimistic sounding. Then uh, a at 50 seconds, a descending double stopped line. The organ resumes the dance and the violin complies with that feeling. There's a thundering bass chord at the end. It's relatively thundering given the overall soft dynamic. We get another Minoriten Convent Wien work from that manuscript, another anonymous composer on track 18. This one is called uh, Sonate Musikalisch Urwerk. Um, starts with a full-on harpsichord line over which the violin plays a pizzicato repeated note. It's a really interesting combination of sounds. It's like the violin is the continuo and the harpsichord has the thematic material. So it's reversed from what we normally hear. At 55 seconds, that suddenly reverses with the violin playing a melody, and the harpsichord has disappeared in place of a theorbo, or a heavy-sounding plucked instrument. I'm pretty sure it's a theorbo, or it's something like that. At 2 minutes and 20 seconds, the violin section ends, and we get a repeat of the opening, only this time the violin's continual note is bowed and in a higher register. At 3 minutes and 23 seconds or so, a light dancing rhythm suddenly appears in the violin with lute continuo. 
The colors keep changing. And I like this quality of the performance. The ear is always given something new to grab onto. At 4 minutes and 32 seconds, the harpsichord is back again with a single bowed violin note repeating, this time a bit more emphatic in its volume. Another livelier dance follows at 5 minutes and 50 seconds with the violin dancing through the dotted rhythm accompaniment in the continuo, which here sounds heavier, like a theorbo. And um, that's the end of that track. So I want to, I just want to say the highlight of this album for me are tracks 14 through 18. Sample those, I would say. Tracks 19 through 22, I get um, a composer by the name of Finger or Finger. <laughs> I don't know. I imagine he must be French. Anyway, it's called Pastoral. And uh, so another pastoral. First movement is Adagio, very pastoral sounding with various lines blending and even melting into each other in the close harmony. The second movement starts Allegro and ends Adagio, which is a little unusual. It's a bit livelier, has a dancier quality than the first movement. The strings start some figuration, then get back to a pulsing line in the slower section that follows. It builds back up to the dance. I like the build-up section from the one minute or so, the one minute mark or so, to around a minute and 20 seconds. The third movement, we get an adagio, short sequenced phrase, begins this movement without much of a pause, then an approach to a cadence, and the music goes on getting a more hushed quality to it at around 30 seconds, and appealingly so. Fourth movement and final movement, Allegro to Adagio. This has 16th note figuration in the strings, not taken too quickly. Again, it has a melting quality, sort of more attuned to French ideas of timbre than to Italian liveliness. No matter, it's appealing. It slows down and speeds up again during its brief duration. Tracks 23 to 25. There are a lot of tracks on this album. They're all very short <laughs> movements is why. But the composer is Schmelzer. I don't know his first name. I should have looked these up. Anyway, Sonata a trois, a tre, la pastorale. Again, pastoral. In the first movement, I think I hear an organ continuo in there, but there's definitely a low cello, at least doubling the bass, if not taking it all himself. This brief movement features strings circling in a melodic pattern. The second movement of Dajo is 36 seconds and features a winding contrapuntal melody with organ continuo. And the third and final movement is a lively dance in which the organ gets involved with a lively line in the middle range. The strings play a heraldic theme as though they're trumpets. It's a pastoral dance, but its sudden happiness could be taken as the receiving of the news of the birth of Jesus. Remember, this is supposed to be a Christmas album. The last work on this album tracks 26 through 28 are by vivaldi and it's called a concerto for strings per il riposo per il santissimo natale rv 270 this is um specifically written for christmas this is the work that ties the theme of the program together with the other works so if you're wondering what's going on this is the one because this is where um I guess Jesus' birth happens. Um, the first movement, Allegro, has a light celebratory quality to it. Uh, there's lots of space in the harmony. It bubbles along well. I've heard this work before, but it never sounded like this. It sort of sounds like the ensemble has lightened the accompaniment from what I'm familiar with. The violin sound isn't right up front. Again, this is a French timbre forward style rather than an Italian rhythm forward style. The tempo is quick, but the attack is gentle, and we get something uplifting and soothing at the same time. It's kind of a neat little trick to get both of those emotions going at once. Uplifting and soothing. 
Second track, Andante, a quick waltzing rhythm sweeps the circling melody along. Very appealing. And the third movement begins with a country dance, and by 30 seconds, you can hear the droning musette in the bass as the dance continues above it. There's some virtuosic violin playing in the first minute that actually sounds rather self-effacing, given the softness of the tone, and we end on a calm tonic. All right, I understand the concept of shepherds at Christmas, but this really sounds like an album of Baroque pastorals, all well-played and very appealing. It could be for all year long. It easily could have been released, yeah, as an album of Baroque music, but I guess Christmas is a bigger selling point. I don't want to put it down. It's really good. It's an enjoyable album of more low-key Baroque music, and one that put me in a good place, personally. I'd recommend it. I guess it can give you a kind of contemplating Christmas in your heart frisson on Christmas Eve. There's a nice warmth to it and a hush over a lot of it that might put you in the nighttime of Christmas Eve mood. I should say that the Elidia Consort and Chichich here provide a lot of variety to the continuo and orchestration, even changing it in the middle of works, and they draw the ear in and make the album a real pleasure to listen to. The works are all taken with more of a French feel, as I've mentioned, for timbre rather than an Italian feel for sprung rhythms, though the rhythm is lively enough when it needs to be. As for the holiday part, the shepherds are certainly there, but you kind of have to supply the Christmas theme yourself in your imaginations. Just imagine you're in there with the shepherds getting the news. Yeah, that's what I said. You wouldn't know that it's Christmas uh, just from the music, but uh, it's really great Baroque music. For me, the subtle and soft textures and unique instrumentation made it all really enjoyable. And you know, there's a lot of these kind of pastoral, relaxed themes, but on the parts that are rather uh, rhythmic, the... Uh, sort of approach of the ensemble is very enthusiastic and lively. So you get a lot of contrasts yes. uh, there as well. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's kind of samey material in a lot of ways, but the changes they bring to it. And like I say, if you listen carefully for what instrument is playing what part, there are a lot of uh, little interesting switches and movements around. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, listen to the bass. That's really the most the enjoyable part. Well, the the changes of the instruments in the bass. Now, I've having taught a few music classes, I know that people often don't listen to or can't hear the bass. They're just not used to listening to it. <laughs> Computer speakers don't help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't help. But um, also, we're just trained to listen to melody from pop music and things like that from when we're young. So, anyway, it's it's a good exercise for your ear. It's good good for your awareness. Listen to the bass. All right, so the last of the three um, Christmas albums I'm going to talk about at length is an album on the Resinous label called The Dawn of Grace, Music for Christmas. Beautiful name, by the way, The Dawn of Grace. So Jesus' birth would be the beginning of uh, receiving grace. This is performed by the Somerville College Choir Oxford, conducted by Will Dawes, and Lua Morgante is on organ and piano on this. This is a rather unique album. I think a lot of um, listeners will be interested to know. Um, Somerville College in Oxford was founded with the radical ambition, for 1879 anyway, of enabling both women and nonconformists, meaning because the college chapel is non-denominational, so it's not like they're all this one Protestant uh -huh. religion, uh, to go to Oxford when most universities refuse them entry. All right, so you had to not only be a man, but you had to be a certain denomination of Christian. Hmm. 
Given this unconventional heritage, the choir stayed true to the college's origins by recording an album featuring 20 works composed entirely by women. Okay, so all of the works on this album are composed by women. And of the 20 tracks, 19 of those women are contemporary composers. There's one that uh, lived in the 20th century but died. And she's also the only non-native English-speaking one, too, interestingly enough. The program is divided into three parts. The build-up to Christmas, Advent, which would be tracks 1 to 7. Jesus' birth, tracks 8 to 13. And the ensuing celebrations, track 14 to 20. Each section also has a solo organ work. All right. The first work is by a rather well-known uh, British composer, Cecilia McDowell, called O Audience. Um, the vibrant harmonies in this reflect the light and hope which the birth of Jesus represents. It's an atmospheric setting with some jarring dissonant notes in the thick, close harmony. It's actually pretty cool and even luminous at parts. Listen mm. at the words et illumina, which means and illuminate. It's a, it's a really a gorgeous work, ultimately. Track two, Abby Bettinus, or Bettinus. She's American. Her work is called Behind the Clouds. This text is based on a prose poem written by the composer's great-grandfather, Reverend Bates G. Burr, in a Christmas card circulated in 1942 hmm. during World War II. And the music is like a clearing of the clouds, according to the notes, representing a relief from darkness as it builds up from solo soprano to full choir. Uh, the text is not included in the booklet, if you have the CD, and which is a shame because it's a lovely, inspiring text. You can, but you can get the words of, on uh, Bettinus's website. So just do a search for her name and and the name of the piece, and you'll you'll see it there. The first line is behind the clouds, the dark in human life forever shines the light of God, and it goes from there. It's really a beautiful text, and the piece is pleasant on the ear and uplifting. Did I mention these are all for choir? These are all for <laughs> full <laughs> choir, like men and women both. The composers are all women. Okay. Track three, Anna Semple, uh, British, and she's London-based. Her piece, Drop Down, Ye Heavens. Here, each voice is set in a percussive counterpoint, and the close harmonies create a tense and earnest atmosphere. It's got some interesting harmonies in it at the beginning. The mm -hmm. rhythm makes the text fragmentary, but it smooths out by the end. The words uh, Drop Down feature what I guess could be considered tone painting with its sudden starts and stops an angular shape, so the idea of like dropping down. Fourth track, Pamela Decker, she's American. Veni, Veni, Emmanuel. So a lot of these composers are setting medieval texts or very old texts anyway. This is for solo organ. This is the uh, solo organ work in this section of the program. It's a warm organ accompaniment uh, supporting the reedy playing of the famous melody. Um, the contrast sets off the melody well. It's a fairly traditional setting, putting the melody in the forefront and echoing it in the accompaniment. Track five, Cheryl Francis Hode, British composer. There is no rose. Again, a medieval text. She's made some uh, pathways into writing Christmas music. I've heard some of her pieces on other albums. I know this poem from the famous Britain setting in his Ceremony of Carols, which is, oh, incidentally, listeners, if you don't know Benjamin Britten's Ceremony of Carols, you should absolutely seek that out here. It's really beautiful and very much in the spirit of Christmas, as is this work by Cheryl Francis Hode. She's changed the melody of uh, There Is No Rose from Britain's, 
but I wouldn't say that she updated it. I'm not sure if Britton is actually setting the, like an old medieval melody, or if he's actually written that melody himself. This has a different melody than that, though. It's an appealing melody, and the setting is easy on the ear. It's pretty quiet and has a tranquil glow, except that the words Gloria in Excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest, which of course have to be sung loudly. It's required. Anyway, and that's what we get here. Track six, Carenza Briggs. She's British. A Tender Shoot. This is an award-winning piece, and it was composed when Briggs was 14 years old. Man. Mm. As you would imagine, this is not an adventurous setting, but there's a warm glow to it that the performance only adds to. And there's some surprising harmonies in the last line as well. Track seven, uh, Sarah Catley, Ivy, Chief of Trees. Uh, Catley is a British composer. She's the daughter of Janet Wheeler, who we're going to hear, well, we'll hear an arrangement that she made later in the program. Uh, this work moves slowly with distinct pauses between each verse. The harmony is meant to be concentrated on. It's very isolated in the composition, and the listener is given ample time to absorb it. It's a thoughtful setting. Track eight, Judith Bingham. Uh, she's British. The Dawn of Redeeming Grace. Again, beautiful title here. It's a solo organ work, so this starts off the second part of the program. Silent Night is buried in this, um, you can hear it pretty easily, actually, in this um, organ texture. It starts rising with arpeggiated chords. Silent Night comes in in a rather sedate form, and the piece moves slowly and meditatively. I love some of the subtly played, very low pedal bass notes. It's a fairly straightforward rendering of Silent Night, bookended by mystical arpeggiated chords, sounding like we're at the edges of the universe. Track 9, Joanna Marsh, British composer. O Magnum Mysterium, again a very old text. A powerful work characterized by lush and complex harmony and use of the choir's full vocal range. Lovely spacious vocal harmony at the beginning with soaring high vocals at key points. Uh, there's an interesting chord change at a minute and 40 seconds. It's an inspired, straightforward choral work. I like the spacing of the vocals in this one. It makes the text easy to follow. And I especially liked the poignant harmonies of, on the Alleluias in the last 30 seconds of the piece. Track 10, Evelyn Wallen. She's a British composer born in Belize in Central America. This is her work, Peace on Earth. It features the only, soprano, only the soprano section of the choir. Um, there's no text for this included in the booklet. It can be found online at oxfordleader.co.uk if you want to see it. Wallen herself wrote the text. This has a plinking piano accompaniment along with a sustained high string sound, which I believe are high, thin organ notes acting as a bed underneath. The first verse is sung by a solo soprano with a fuller chorus coming in for the second verse. The poem juxtaposes images of Christmas decorations and atmosphere, with the words peace on earth, trying to conflate the two. I like the idea. Track 11 is by Ishani Pedipanayagam. She's British, I th I'm pretty sure. It's called In Bethlehem Above. This piece has a celebratory mood in the verses and a more mystical and initially intimate setting of the chorus Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Uh, once again, the text is by Perimpanayagam herself. It's not included in the booklet, and it couldn't be found online, so I wrote to her, and she very graciously and very quickly sent me the text. I was really oh. psyched. And also nice. a pronunciation of her name, <laughs> which is recorded on YouTube, and which made me wonder if she actually listens to this podcast and knows how 
name pronunciation challenged we are. Anyway, for sure. Anyways, anyway, Parampanayagam is what I got. That's my American pronunciation, Ishani. Anyway, anyway, the piece starts with parallel harmony in the full chorus, all very comfortable for the ear. I like the triplet setting for the Latin choruses, giving the words a rather giddy, celebratory quality. Uh, the ending, Gloria, has a ringing church bell effect to the way it's set, and it's a really nice piece. Next piece, Shruti. Rajesikar, she's Indian American. Now that Indian meaning from India, Indian, you know, Indian American. Her piece is called Star of Rohini. This work sees the converging of two faiths, Christianity and Hinduism. And this song draws a link between the star of Bethlehem and the star of Rohini, under which the Hindu deity Krishna was born. Um, the harmony resembles elements of Indian classical music and the piece conveys a strongly ethereal atmosphere. Um, oh, by the way, I need to mention, um, if you have the CD of this, the CD booklet has the track listing uh, correct, but in the printed text in the booklet, it confuses the order between this and the next track. So look out for that. Once again, there's no printed text for this track, uh, which is adapted from Matthew 2.2 to verse 2, and also 2 verses 9 and 10, and to the Bhagavata Purana, Canto 10, with additions from the composer. It's a real shame that the text isn't included because this isn't a straightforward holiday text and it would be good to know what's being sung here. Actually, it is fairly straightforward now that I've seen the words. I wrote to the composer for this one too and again, she very graciously sent me the text and a brief program note, but no pronunciation of her name. So I guess, I hope I've got it right. Rajesikar. I'm going to say Shruti Rajesikar. The piece starts out uh, with a close staccato attack that quickly moves into harmonized legato. Uh, it's hard to make out the words due to the lovely arrangement of the voices, but once I had the text, I was able to make them out. At a minute and seven seconds, it has a startling flash of a key change with a sudden new chord. It just sounds like it goes into a new key for a second and then maybe comes back. I couldn't really tell. Um, the men's voices tend to hold down the bass while the higher voices articulate the text. It's a lovely piece. Again, it'd be, it'd be good to get the words for this one. Well, I have them, but I encourage listeners to write to the composer. I have to say, though, I really I understand that it's not the composer's fault that the uh, text isn't in the booklet. It's publishers. It has something to do with publishing. But I really wish that we could just get these, that there could be some kind of agreement made where we can get all these texts published in the book. They really are essential to appreciating a choral work, mm. especially one like this, which is a bit complex. All right, track 13, Sarah Quartel, she's Canadian. This Endris Knight, E-N-D-R-I-S, Endris. This piece uses handbells. A really nice little surprise. Yeah. It's rooted in the American tradition. The melody embodies the character of folk music. The handbells clang at the beginning to an ooh, wordless, drifting six-eight time chorus set to a dotted rhythm. The work progresses as a harmonized main vocal line with the bass providing some counterpoint. The inclusion of the handbells is an attractive touch. It's a pretty piece and might be an especially good one for choirs to pick up during the holiday season. Track 14, Jeanne de Monsieur. She's French and she's the only non-living composer on this album. She lived 1921 to 1968. This is her solo organ setting of Adeste Fidelis from her 12 choral preludes on Gregorian chant themes, opus eight, number two. There's a droning pedal point bass beneath the fluty melody. The Adeste Fidelis melody comes in on the reedier middle T 
timbre here. Breath of your organ sounds play the chorus in the mid-range. At a minute and 31 seconds, the familiar melody drifts off into something more adventurous and even spacey. At a minute and 54 seconds, the organist gives us a timbre change to something reedy, and the piece ends with this. It's an ear-catching performance, given the timbres used. Track 15, Tamsin Jones, British composer. Noel Verbo Caro Factum Est. This is a joyful, catchy, tuneful setting of an anonymous 16th century text. A joyful rhythmic opening on the word Noel, uh, the rhythm imitating that of bells to my senses. The verses are virtually chanted, but there's a melodic leaning to them. The setting of the word Noel is really catchy in this work. The work comes across as festive. Track 16, Judith Weir, British composer, My Guardian Angel. A second choir is included here, formed by wider members of the college community and friends of the members of the college choir. The Alleluia motif is sung by the, uh, the uh, guests, I guess, the audience, and it interlocks with the choir's lines, which represent the awe and wonder toward the angels of the nativity. The text is by William Blake, and that's going to tell you this is going to be a really special text. Uh, this setting is a bit more modest than the joy in the previous one's chorus, the opening Alleluia is sung one careful syllable at a time with uh, none, no, to very little melisma. The text is gorgeous, of course, and it's very short. The words are, The angel that presided o'er my birth said, Little creature formed of joy and mirth, go love without the help of anything on earth. Really nice. Blake was really magical. Track 17. Anonymous composer french 16th century and this is arranged by janet wheeler british composer and the mother of sarah catley this is her mom here arranging this ding dong diggity the booklet notes say this is a jazzy and vibrantly energetic arrangement integrating the westminster chimes into a vibrant twist on ding dong merrily on high there are syncopated vocal lines finger clicks and vocal percussion there are a lot of bell rhythms here, especially on the words ding-dong. I really wouldn't call this jazzy, though. It's just got a syncopated quality to it. There are finger snaps from 55 seconds and mouth noises for percussion in the first minute. It's cute, maybe a little too clever for its own good. The last Gloria is sung full volume with a high note ending from the choir on the word excelsis. Track 18, anonymous, traditional, arranged by June Nixon. She's Australian. The Holly and the Ivy. Uh, here, the organ and the choir come together. This is a darker setting of the traditional carol with a descant, which is an independent high treble melody, soaring above the choir and lavish organ writing. It's in 6-8 time, which seems to be a Christmas rhythm. There's a harmonized melody line. The main voices all together making the words audible. The organ plays a big role in between the verses, standing out for its changing timbres each time. Different registers in the choir also do a lot to distinguish each verse. Track 19, uh, Ghislaine Reese Trapp, British composer. Alleluia, a new work is come on hand. This is another skipping dotted rhythm with triplets in the melody. The whole piece has an appealing bounce to it, and the words are sung by the choir together in harmony. Enter, perfectly understandable. Okay, we get to the last track, which we get Cecilia McDowell again, so she bookends this um, program. Her piece is called Gaude et Laetare here. Here, organ and choir come together. It's a joyful work with a bubbling organ line accompanying the chorus, joyfully singing Gaude, which means joy in Latin. 
This is a genuinely uplifting and perhaps my favorite work on the album. It's got a big, joyful ending. So this is an album full of beautiful settings of these mostly old texts, and some of the settings are adventurous and surprising, but always in an appealing way. It's fun at times, and overall catches the joyful spirit of Christmas along with its mystery. It's a good variety of approaches with enough contrast to make it an entertaining and even involving listen all the way through. So recommended. This is some good new choral music. You might want to bring some of these pieces into your choir singing if you're in a choir. Yeah, I'm not too much of a choir music person, but I enjoyed these. As you say, I found them uplifting. I was actually kind of surprised because early on, I think track one and three had some rather interesting dense harmonies and a few dissonances and then those soaring high voices that sort of, I said, whoa, this is, uh, it caught my attention. But later on, as it goes on, it, it gets more uh, sort of uh, maybe more rhythmic and uh, yeah. you know generally melodic, but uplifting. The texts are interesting and they seem to be sung with a lot of enthusiasm. And so if yeah. you like choral music, I'm sure you'll uh, enjoy this one a lot. All right. And that's um, the three long form Christmas uh, albums for this week. But I want to recommend to you three more Christmas albums. Let's start with, um, we, we just finished talking about the choral album, The Dawn of Grace. Um, this was actually released um, and on the same day with another Christmas album from the Resonus label called Wishes and Candles, American Christmas Choral Works. And this is by the Ebor Singers and Paul Gamison or Gamison. These were all recently composed works by living American composers. So some are men, some are women, and they're often on medieval sacred texts. It's probably similar to this one. I haven't really given it a really serious listen, just kind of spot checked it. So if you like the Dawn of Grace, you should check that one out too. Another one is um, that I really wanted to do, but um, I was a bit, um, I, do, I don't like programming um, vocal music that I don't know the texts to, and I would have needed a CD for this. I didn't want to just do this just from streaming, mm -hmm. called Serenade d'Hiver. Um, the uh, group is Les Elements, conducted by Joël Souhoubiette, and this is on the Mirare label. These are French choral works for Christmas and uh, winter theme in general. And uh, I think uh, French uh, Christmas music makes a nice um, contrast to the English ones that we really hear all the time. So I want to recommend that too. And then an album I really wish we had done, but I really messed this up. Okay, this The <laughs> album in question is uh, by the German soprano Diana Damrau and the NDR Radio Philharmonie. I'm called My Christmas, and it's on the Erato label. All right. This is a two-disc, two-hour and 21-minute set of Christmas arias from the classical repertoire padded with sacred Baroque music. Now, when I saw this listed, and I saw it when it came out on November 4th, I just looked at it and I said, oh, another um, Christmas album by a soprano. I, I know how this is going to go. But... Um, <laughs> Not only that, I looked at it, it was two hours, 20 minutes, 21 minutes, and I said, I can't put Russ through this, two, two albums of a single Thank soprano <laughs> singing all these songs. But then I noticed that it's really a unique album. It's got all of these, um, it, they're all Baroque era sort of works, first of all, mm. and they tend to have a sort of festivity to them. 
And the works are all ch taken from just various songs and operas from the period, and we don't really know these songs. So I thought this would have been an actual great inclusion into the program. But um, I got to it too late, and I think it's um, two-hour, 21-minute uh, mark would have made it a little hard to listen to this week just because mm -hmm. of, um, you know, Christmas vacation hasn't exactly started for us yet. So I didn't, like, program it, but I do want to recommend it. I think you should give it a listen. And we'll put it in the uh, the links below. So that's my uh, Christmas offering for the year 2022. And I hope you have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, and those are in the Deezer playlist, too. Uh, so you can just uh, continue on for more than 12 hours of Christmas music. <laughs> 12 hours of Christmas music. Yeah. There you just go. half a day. Just listen to them twice and you'll have just music for the mm. whole day. All right, on the jazzy side, I've got a mix here. I was rather disappointed early in the season with, hmm. you know, jazz releases that uh, uh, there wasn't really a lot that I was excited about. You know, last year we got the Nora Jones album yeah. and, uh, you know, with a lot of new, really good composed tunes. And I was looking around. But and you had that really weird kind of low-key one too yeah from the, um, the uh, scandinavian yeah. oh i think it was norway wasn't it it was like mm. a dark christmas <laughs> it was yeah. christmas with no sunlight or something christmas with no sunlight i don't yeah. remember what it was called anyway i think i've put together a good mix of things here uh, we're going to start so out with like mm. just what i really like in jazz and that would just be you know new arrangements and takes on songs that everybody knows but done in a fresh way because you want to hear you know jazz musicians are creative with improvising and you know kind of uh, reconceptualizing tunes so it's always fun to hear old tunes done in a new way I, I i'm really kind of excited about this section too because i like my christmases to be jazzy and mm. i like them to be medieval oh. so there you go this is the jazzy part yeah <laughs> i didn't put any medieval stuff on my program but that's okay and the uh, second one, when we get to it, uh, was something for me to learn from because it's a, a European group and it's got a lot of, they're German, and so they take a lot of German carols and music, uh, some of which I was unfamiliar with. And uh, so I learned a bit uh, from looking into the history of the music there. And then I've got what I think is the best Christmas release this year and maybe oh, for absolutely. many years to come. And it's yeah. like... <laughs> A one-stop, all-you-need-for-Christmas uh, recording. We, we thought we weren't going to get much, and then we heard that one, and we yeah. were like, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. I really liked it, too. And we're going to start out with the jazzy option. This is by the bassist Christian Fabian, and it's called Christmas Everywhere. And you can't get a better Christmas name than Christian either, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> this is with his trio. It's a self-released album. It's not available on CD. He says on his Facebook, unless they become an international sensation with it, they, they won't release it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that also means nowhere online are there any credits or uh, notes about this recording, which has me stumped on one thing, which we'll get to soon. It should be mm. easy to figure out because it's a jazz trio, piano trio, Christian Fabian on bass, Matt King on keyboards, piano and organ, and a member of the Marsalis family, Jason Marsalis, on drums here. And Christian Fabian, if you don't know his name, uh, he was born in Sweden. He came to the U.S. in the 90s to attend Berkeley uh, College. He's uh, been active in the New York City jazz scene for a while, New York state-of-the-art jazz ensemble. Uh, he's also co-leader of the new Lionel Hampton band, which Jason Marsalis is a member of, co-founded the Native Jazz Quartet, 
that also features uh, Marsalis and Ruel Lubag uh, with Ed Littlefield as well. And although born in Sweden, moved to Germany when he was six, and there he saw a Dizzy Gillespie concert when he was 12, and he met Dizzy Gillespie, and that was what inspired him to play jazz. And he first learned electric bass, and then when he was 16, he started studying upright acoustic bass. And so the rest is history. And Berkeley College gave him a full scholarship, and then he went to Boston to study and got a degree in performance and film scoring and graduated in 2000. So we're going to start out with a favorite of everyone. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, I love this. Yeah. (laughs) Hope he brings all the things I can't afford to buy because of the weak yen in Japan. Right. (laughs) Anyway, this one is penned by J. Fred Coots and Haven Gillespie. Uh, The earliest known recorded version of this song is by banjoist Harry Resser and his band from 1934. Hmm. So a good old one. Marsalis kicks it in on the drums, and then we get a four-bar drum and bass intro, and King comes in on organ on this tune uh, to finish the bluesy intro vamp and for the final four bars of it, and then he takes over the melody. He uses a kind of choppy articulation, and the, this organ has a kind of nice edge of distortion on the tone, which kind of goes against this kind of happy melody that everyone knows. I like the kind of combination. It's a nice punchy left-handed chords, syncopated end phrases. Uh, when they get to the seize you in, you're sleeping, B section of the melody, Fabian switches up to a walking pattern on the bass, giving the feel more swing. Then they take an eight-bar vamp that's like the intro, and Fabian is up for a 16-bar bass solo, which he starts out by sticking to the melody phrase, but then he goes off for some more jazzy phrases with a nice bend near the end of it. King is up next, but he gets bluesier in his organ solo. I really like that dirty organ tone again here with the happy sounding tune. He goes around for the full 32 bars on the A section before getting it back to the melody when the B section comes around again in the final A section. And then they vamp out after that for some more tasty and bluesy organ until it fades out. Under the Chipper tune, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, This is by Johnny Marks. (laughs) based on uh, the 1939 story, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. The only way I could listen to this, these two tracks is if they're jazz versions of them. I just can't <laughs> right. hear pop singers sing these yeah. anymore. I just... Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The original one, uh, Gene Autry, number oh. one hit in 1949. I think I'd listen to that. I have never heard it like this before. This is a samba <laughs> version. <laughs> samba this is pretty interesting, yeah. yeah. And King switches to piano for this one. Starts it out with a kind of rhythmic Brazilian eight-bar piano opening. And here's where I got uh, confused on this recording because the first time I listened to it was, you know, just in the background, I put on, you know, a bunch of Christmas things, seeing what I'm going to listen to. I said, oh, that's harmonica on there. But it's not harmonica. I don't know what it is. It's more of a keyed instrument. It's maybe a harmonium. I wonder if it's what the Japanese call a pianica. It could be, yeah. It's it's like this keyboard pipe thing that you blow into you know they yeah. learn how to they learn about music on it you know? yeah it's it's got the same kind of reedy tone as a harmonica but it's obviously not and it's also not playing harmony you know like a accordion kind of thing so and i don't mm-hmm. know who's playing it either <laughs> if it's uh you know the pianist that's adding it in there or not so yeah. anyway that joins in on the tone you're going to hear that on uh, other tunes here and like i said there's no credits on the album but then Fabian and Marsalis join in, and Marsalis gives it a clicky samba beat. King takes the melody on piano, and that 
harmonica kind of sound takes the B section of the melody, the uh, then one foggy Christmas Eve part, <laughs> and then back yeah. to the piano. Uh, next, it gets fun with a new original melody line. Uh, they sort of you know have a newly composed line that's in unison with that reedy sound and piano over fun, busy snare work from Marsalis. And then those the two instruments, the lines gradually get independence. Then King follows on a, with the piano solo with punchy and rhythmic phrases. Uh, the harmonica sound returning with the melody on the B section. The piano returns to the melody for the final strain. Then they have some more fun with a repeat of the last phrase stretched out into a bluesy and rhythmic <laughs> jam for King on piano. He tapers it back just to just rhythmic chords, and that harmonica sound adds some of the licks we heard in the intro uh, as it fades out. Uh, it's a fun feel and arrangement of uh, this tune. It would have been cool if they had renamed it Rudolph the Brazilian Reindeer or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, if 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 Rudolph were like a a millennial reindeer, he he would refuse to pull the sleigh. He's like, hey, you just picked on me all the time. Go, you know, there's gonna yeah. be no no presents this year. He'd want tips. <laughs> He'd want yeah, whatever. <laughs> Track three is "Auld Lang Syne," the text from the Scots language poem by Robert Burns in 1788. But the melody's based on an older Scottish folk song. Uh, I think it goes back to before 1800, set to a traditional tune. Uh, Marsalis starts it out with two bars of toms for an intro into the melody that Fabian takes on the bass. King joins in with some light chord backing and Marsalis keeps the neat tom pattern going. Uh, Fabian gets some rhythmic and ringing soloing going and King takes a turn at the melody giving some extra harmonic colors and then he gets a solo with some bright and percussive lines and chordal ideas. Then Fabian and Marsalis get a more pressing Latin feel groove happening before they all slow and chill it out for the ending. Track four, Carol of the Drum. It's an American tune uh, written by Catherine Kennicott Davis in 1941, first recorded in 51 by the Trap family. Mm. And of course, it starts out with the drums. <laughs> it would have to. Fabian joins in with a funky ostinato to match Marsalis's New Orleans-type beat, and King takes the melody, making it bluesy. He's doing some nice rhythmic playing here and adding fun trills and little fills. They throw in a cool break before resetting the groove for a bass solo from Fabian, who hands it back for some more rollicking piano soloing. Um, Marsalis adding nice cymbal beats. A little drum and bass reset leads back to another run through the melody from King, and they have some fun repeating the final phrase and vamping out with piano fills until Marsalis' snare finishes it along with a few bass pulses. It's a real fun version of this tune. Track 5, Deck the Halls, traditional Christmas carol. I think the melody is an old Welsh uh, melody going back to the 16th century and uh, belongs to a, a winter carol, Nozgalan, if I'm saying that right. But the English lyrics were written by Scottish musician Thomas Oliphant in 1862. Well, they have some fun here again, piano playing the first phrase with drums taking the fa-la-la-la-la in a yeah. straight beat. And then a fast swinging change to the Don we now are gay apparel, the fa-la-la strain. Uh, they repeat it and then it switches the piano and drum parts. So uh, it's a, a cute little trick there. And then it's off for a driving swing for a bluesy solo from King over furious walking from Fabian on the bass. King gets some really ripping lines and percussive figures in his solo. And Marsalis is up for a drum solo next with tight, uh, fast work. They connect it back to another round of the fun mel melody switcheroo idea. Uh, there's a mm -hmm. pause and King gets some piano flourishes before a final slower bluesy ending. 
another one, all good fun. Hmm. Track six, Silver Bells, uh, 1950, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans composition. King gives it a gospel intro and takes the melody. Marsalis has a clicky waltz beat and Fabian uh, nice pulsing bass lines beneath. It has kind of a country gospel feel. King lets the bells chime out on the Silver Bells line and takes a solo with very f- fun rhythmic work. Fabian gets a bass solo with ringing notes and a high tasty register bend. They take it through the melody again to finish it up with nice bluesy touches from King. Track 7, Feliz Navidad, 1970, Jose Feliciano tune. Uh, they give this one kind of an 8-beat Latin feel, and there's a 4-bar intro with that uh, harmonica sound back again. Uh, King takes the melody over Marsalis's light and clicky groove. Fabian has cool syncopated bouncy bass figures going on underneath, and that harmonica sound takes a round of the first strain of the melody, and then King gets a piano solo. It's a really fun and rhythmic solo here, working in some Latin chord patterns. Then they give it a real Latin breakdown, leading it into some repeated notes that the harmonica tone joins in on. King keeps the piano chord groove going, and Marsalis has some fun mixing it up on the toms. Once more around the melody, finishes it up, with that harmonica sound taking the I want to wish you a Merry Christmas line to the end. And then a tune that I never need to hear again, but (laughs) (laughs) I will uh, accept it in this form here. The All I Want for Christmas is You tune, the uh, Mariah Carey tune that was played to death in Japan every year. Oh, they love it here. You want to jump in front of a a bus or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this gets a bossa version here with an eight-bar intro. You're never going to guess this is uh, Mariah Carey coming your way. Uh, King takes the Mm -hmm. melody with ringing rhythmic right-hand notes, uh, showing a tasty sense of touch. Fabian has a great bounce going over Marsalis's clicky groove. The harmonica sounds back for a go. And then piano gets some more fun before Fabian has another ringing, deep-toned bass solo. Uh, They take it through the melody again, and that harmonica gets some uh, more fun at the end to finish it up. And uh, this one actually, you know, that's, uh, I haven't been listened to it for this long. 1994, written by Mm. Mariah Carey and Walter Afanasif. But I've heard it enough times that it may as well have been written in 1930. Yeah, it might as well (laughs) And that's it. Um, 30 minutes of really happy yeah. and creative jazz arrangements of these old favorites. Uh, so if you want your little jazzy fix with cool arrangements and especially these Bossa Nova ones, yeah, this is a really good one uh, this year. I like this a lot too. It was really fun and I just wish it was longer. It was, I was really kind of getting yeah. into it and then it just ended. <laughs> you know, it, was just, it was very short. I like the way they spruced up the tunes and I like that harmonica, pianica, whatever that is. That's, yeah. and we can't really make it, that out sound a lot too there were, the organ sound was great i like the different styles that they used yeah good energy too this uh, this is a really yeah. um a really energetic uh, album it's just that you have to put it on repeat because it'll end before you know it <laughs> well probably you know something they wanted to do and had time to do just maybe right. this much yeah. and you, you would maybe feel bad if you put out a cd with only 30 minutes on it so you know there it I is guess, a yeah. digital release uh, just in time for the holidays but very right. enjoyable uh really good playing and lots of fun i have a load of C- a christmas cds you know they sit on the shelf for like 11 months and then you yeah. just take them out for a month you know <laughs> yep. all right now the next one this is something a little bit different it's uh called december this is on the fine music label and by the German kind of world music ensemble, Quadro Nuevo. Well, they've actually already released three Christmas 
recordings in their uh, recording history, which goes back to 1996. And they mentioned that they don't see December as uh, a work of that genre, but they do interpret melodies of religious or spiritual origin on it. Hmm. And uh, also it has kind of a message of peace now due to, you know, the uh, war in Ukraine and things happening now. Hmm. And uh, actually this has got a lot of things going on and there's uh, a lot of German music here that I wanted to know uh, the background of and some more notes. So I wrote to the uh, woodwind player, uh, Mulo Franzo, uh, and he wrote back and sent me a lot of credits in English and German. So uh, thanks for that. That helped round out my research, getting to the heart of these tunes and the performances. So Mulo Franzo is on tenor sax, C melody sax, an instrument we don't hear very often. It's a sax that's kind of in between alto and tenor. Clarinet, bass clarinet, and a real treat on one <laughs> of these tracks, at least the contrabass clarinet. Oh, yes. How low can you go? Very low. Yeah. We've got uh, Andreas Hinterscher on accordion, a bandonian, something else like a bandonian, from what I can tell, I'll get to that after, and also trumpet. On a track or two. Didi Loco, bass and percussion. Chris Gall on piano. Philip Schiepik on guitar. Tim Collins on vibraphone. And Rolf Ackerman, flugelhorn on a track. We're going to start out with uh, an interesting tune. This is Hon Guten Mechten Wunderbar Geborgen. Ooh, German. Yes. By Siegfried Feitz, the music. And it translate i guess wonderfully protected by good forces yeah and i got by gracious powers so wonderfully sheltered from google oh, translate that's better <laughs> google translate's getting advanced there i don't know it's it's a christian poem written by dietrich bonhoeffer uh, written in 1944 when he was imprisoned in the basement prison of the reich security main office because of his resistance to the nazis it's his last theological text before he was executed on April 9th, 1945. It became a frequently sung hymn with different melodies, which has appeared in current German hymnals. That When they sent me the notes, it says, impressive that it is still full of optimism and uh, joy of life. It is really a, an uplifting melody. Uh, it starts with a kind of medium, happy, bouncy rhythm uh, set by the bass and guitar. The melody is played by Franzel on a lovely, rich-toned clarinet. He's gorgeous tone when he plays clarinet. It's a happy and uplifting melody, and adding to the bounce are rhythmic squeezes of uh, the accordion. Uh, I believe I'll say according here because I can't often tell when uh, the bandonian is played or <laughs> or accordion. It's, it's usually you know? an accordion if it's, if it's yeah. European, though. Yeah. Bandonian is really more of an Argentinian Stuff, yeah, instrument. Yeah, I can tell when it's Piazzolla yeah. things or something. When yeah. uh, like that, but there is a another different instrument also uh, that I'll get right. to later. There's a wonderful toned guitar solo from Shipek. Uh, Backing lines with clarinet. It sounds like multiple parts are recorded over each other, which happens throughout the album. After the guitar solo, Franzel comes back for another round of the melody, uh, getting into the very sweet upper range of the clarinet. Track two, Die Nacht ist vorgedrungen. Vorgedrungen, I guess. Vorgedrungen, mm. right. Uh, the night has protruded. I guess it would be translated. <laughs> Mine said right? the night has advanced. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes more sense, actually, yeah. 
Jochen Klepper and Johannes Petzold. This is uh, arranged by Franzel. And this is a poem written by Klepper and it has found its way into hymn books by Johannes Petzold. And it's set to music as an Advent song. This one is a very dreamy sounding start with arpeggiated guitar over sustained accordion. Uh, the sax plays long 10 beat rising notes and the sax and accordion make a nice blend on the melody. Uh, the bass gives it a pulse and it seems to move in a 5-4 meter. Uh, the accordion is a gentle solo over the continuing rhythmic guitar arpeggiation, which gets a little solo spot as well, before Franzel takes a legato sax solo. First over the guitar, but the accordion and bass come back to fill out the sound. Schipek gets a melodic guitar solo spot as well. It's very pretty with a gentle flow. And then we've got Jesu blebet mein Freude. Yeah. Everyone knows this one in English, Jesus Joy of Man's Desiring. And yeah, the, the German title means Jesus Remains My Joy. But yeah, we know it as yeah. Jesus Joy of Man's Desiring. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Bach, of course, and uh, arranged by Fahler, Gall, and Franzl. Uh, it starts with a rhythmic six-beat piano figure. It's joined by something else. If you listen, you'll hear it with the piano. I don't know if it's a high bass like harmonic pluck uh, as well. Uh, sax and accordion come in with phrases from the famous melody, but they're spaced out to create anticipation nicely over this sort of uh, almost trance-like uh, piano rhythm. Uh, then we hear the melody and answers answer phrases traded with the piano and accordion. It's a very playful arrangement. The accordion has a little fill while the piano stops for a bit before restarting the rhythm and then continues with an improvised solo. Uh, the piano solo is next, and then Franzl has a jazzy sax solo as the piano and bass swell and push him with accented rhythms. He has a quiet reset back to the piano figure, and they run through the melody once again. And we're going to get two curieux on versions on this album, and they're both in different modes. So the first one is in Dorian mode. They said this was... The Kyrieleison was already a customary call or a homage to gods and kings in pre-Christian times, so they see it as a succinct melodic reference to a positive higher power. And these mm -hmm. are both uh, very meditative. Uh, this one has a slow hypnotic ostinato bass, rich clarinet on the haunting melody. Uh, underneath, there's a low drone note of bass or contrabass clarinet uh, on a different track. Rolf Ackerman joins in on the second time around the melody with the unison flugelhorn part with the clarinet. An accordion adds some swelling tension, building chords along the way. The bass figure changes up, but stays hypnotically rhythmic. Uh, Franzl has a liquid flowing clarinet, and the accordion and flugelhorn have some rhythmic accompaniment before they join the clarinet on a thick sounding melody line again. There's some breathy sounds and accordion uh, pulsing as it continues on for a bit over the pulsing bass. Now a tune everyone knows, the O Tannenbaum, Ernst Anschutz, uh, based on a 16th century Silesian folk song hmm. by Michael Frank. They give this a real groove, uh, starting out with bass, or is it contrabass, maybe just bass clarinet and guitar for four bars, then adding in some percussion and vibraphone for another four before the melody comes in. I'm, I'm assuming this is uh, Hintersher on the Harmon muted trumpet, because it says he plays trumpet on the 
uh, credits. The vibes ring out. There's a bouncy guitar solo that has a lot of rhythmic repeating notes and phrases and some jazzy licks around the melody. Tim Collins on the vibraphone here gets a fun solo that will pan very widely between your speakers or headphones <laughs> to get the full length of the instrument. And then uh, Hintashura takes another round on the trumpet to finish it out. And they have some fun with different chords between the phrases uh, and at the end. Track six, Song for Peace. And the uh, notes say it's composed by uh, Mulo Franco's son. You can see this uh, version of this on YouTube, actually. It's got a very lush and ringing vibraphone intro. There's uh, pulsing. And at least what's on the YouTube video is an instrument called a vibrandonian. So it's a, hmm. it's like a mouth accordion. So you actually huh. have a blow into it. And that's when you hear those kind of uh, 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 pulsing, it's that instrument. And so oh, that's I, interesting. I assume that's on the other tracks too. Uh, it's actually kind of a wind melodica. Hmm. Um, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's what we've been hearing too. Uh, the melody here is a seductive legato clarinet line, uh, but Franzel also uses shorter and soft articulation in variations and improvisations after that. Uh, underneath is a percussion groove with the distinctive sound of the udu drum. Mm. Yes. It's unusual. Uh, Tim Collins has an atmospheric vibraphone solo too. And the percussion stops and there's a reset for the vibe intro back to the clarinet melody. It's simple but soothing and an intoxicating sound on this track. I did tell you that my old art teacher became the uh, the wanted man who, in the West who went to Africa and learned how to make the udu drums. And his his yeah, drums actually, were used yeah. on all the recordings. Yeah, Frank You told me that's, that's really funny. Boy, yeah. talk about cornering the market in the yeah. udu drums, boy. And we've got December, the title track. Uh, this is uh, uh, Sheepik's original tune. It says, uh, it, this just included this in the description. Uh, it says, the night lies velvety and warm over the city as I walk back from the cooling river toward my apartment. Another season comes to mind, one that brings me warmth inside. Even now in summer, I want to let the peace come to me that December usually brings. So I guess they, I think it said they recorded these in May or something. So mm. now, now it's December, so just in time. So he's enjoying that feeling now. Yeah, a rhythmic intervallic guitar intro joined by the accordion. It flows in 10-beat phrases with the sax joining in on wispy lines and the bass adding rhythmic pulses. Uh, Shipek gets a solo line while continuing the rhythmic patterns on the guitar. It starts to get a more subdivided feel before coming to a pause, and the final section is made of slower phrases with a more of a 4-4 feel uh, with little pauses in between uh, the sax and accordion flowing over the guitar. Now we've got another German one, Befehl do Dina Viga, Go Your Own Way, I think is what it means. It's a Lutheran hymn by Paul Gerhardt, uh, arranged here by Franzl. It's one of his best-known hymns. It was first published in 1653. A repeated rhythmic piano chord and ringing bass intervals make a minor kind of feel groove in 5-4. Uh, Franzl places the melody in a full-toned lower register sax line. There's a nice bass line that transitions to a flowing accordion solo, then a rhythmic piano solo from Chris Gall that also has some running lines. Franzl falls with a sax solo more delicately and into the higher register and then down lower for the melody again, uh, being left on his own for a slowdown as the others drop out for a moment before the ending. 
Now, this one I was really stumped with when I first found the recording. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but Oheboka Rabiyaso, which is actually an Arabic title, and it's uh, a hymn, I Love You, My Lord, The Best Life. They say they heard this spiritual melody for the first time at a joint concert with the band uh, Cairo Steps. Uh, Rami Atala, one of the leading jazz musicians of Egypt, played it spontaneously on the piano, and they dedicate their version to Katharina, the beloved wife of our friend Basim Darwish. She left us all too soon. This has a rubato accordion introduction joined by Franzel's warm clarinet on the melody. Bass and drums join in, giving it a slow, kind of Latin feel, actually. Then uh, Franzel has some low contrabass clarinet lines on another track, giving it a big bottom of sound. He gets up in the higher range on his clarinet solo, and Hintashur also gets a flowing accordion solo, followed by Schiepik on guitar. Then Franzel gives another round of the melody and an outro on the clarinet to finish it up. Track 10. Josef Lieber Josef Mein. In Germany, the melody is used for uh, the traditional song. This song, originally sung as a lullaby by the Virgin Mary in a 16th century mystery play in Leipzig. It says, doubtfully credited to Johannes Gallicolus. Mm -hmm. uh, the Lutheran poet and composer Johann Walter wrote one of his finest motets using this song. And Sir David Wilcox's arrangement in Carols for Choirs 2 titles the work Rosonimus Laudibus. Just started searching online, finding all these interesting things. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, make sure you have your subwoofer switched on for this ah, one, because yeah. it starts with a very slow waltz tempo, with a ringing bass note that's answered way down, way, way down in the basement hmm. on the contrabass clarinet note. Yeah. The guitar has some chords on top. Uh, the piano takes the chiming melody and accordion adds some swells underneath but you'll keep listening to that puff of the magic dragon of contrabass clarinet uh, way down low. Uh, Gall gets more legato in a pretty piano solo with a lot of space and some more chiming notes. Then Franzel next has a sax solo uh, with breathy flowing lines. Uh, it's very peace-inducing, and I just want to be in a hammock uh, listening <laughs> to this tune. Yeah, this particular tune, the uh, rhythm reminded me of uh, Satie's uh, Gymnopédie Number no. One. Oh, yeah, you know, it yeah. had that kind of like hypnotic sort of feel to it. That that was um, the Gymnopédies or Satie's evocation of the ancient Greek world, like these kind of okay. like circle dances that they would do. Right, right. Um, so that, it just I, that came out at me right away mm. when I heard this. Yeah, it's a very relaxing rhythmic feel to it. Mm -hmm. In track 11, we've got our other Curie uh, Leison Lydian mode this time. Ringing low bass and vibes at a slow tempo under Franzel's fluid clarinet, exchanging lines with accordion. You know, Lydian has that kind of dreamy feel with the raised fourth of the scale. Right. There are vibes and guitar solos. Uh, also get some trumpet to join in the clarinet on some lines before an accordion solo. We hear the melody line again with trumpet clarinet and some bass clarinet mixed in for an extra full sound. Again, kind of meditative and calming. And also has that kind of gymnopedie rhythm, but uh, a little heavier in mm. this one. Yeah. Uh, the Lydian mode, by the way, for listeners who listen to pop music, if you know um, the police song, uh, every little thing she does is magic. It's a sting wrote it. Right. Uh, the bass line is, is Lydian. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the fourth note is like, it's like this really surprising, like major yeah. step, you know. Really we hear cool. it in jazz a lot. Once There's yeah. some classical music you, you hear Lydian used uh, from time to time. 
Track 12 is uh, Maria durch ein Dornwald gehen. Mm. Uh, Maria walks amid the thorns, or or Mary walked through a wood of thorn. It's a German yeah. Advent song. By origin, it was a pilgrimage song that uh, was spread orally in the 19th century. This one has a solo vibes opening. It's rhythmic and sounds like it would be a, a good organ part, actually. Uh, if you mm. just listen to the voicings, I could imagine this being played on organ. Franzel comes in on clarinet on a syncopated minor melody. Bass and accordion pulses come in and give it a fun rhythmic push. Some chords from Schiebeck's guitar too, uh, who soon gets a Spanish-tinged solo on guitar. Franzel has flowing clarinet solo with clear high register notes along the way, and Collins has some speedy vibe mallet work in a little solo. And clarinet takes the melody to the end with a contrasting major chord to surprise and finish it up. And we're going to finish up with uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Walter Kent, 1943. It gets a fun swinging start with accordion, really fun bass and piano lines into the lazy melody on sax with answering lines on accordion over old time strumming from Gaul on guitar. Uh, mm. They have some fun added rhythmic uh, unison phrases with sax and piano. And we get a piano solo and then a sax solo from Franzel. And I'm wondering if he's using that C melody sax here because it has a little uh, lighter tone than uh, I noticed he has on tenor. Could be, just my guess. Uh, accordion follows that. And they have a little stop time fun with a little solo snippets uh, going around the players uh, into a guitar lead that uh, goes to a final round of the melody. And that's it. So for me, I, I found it uh, interesting material, as they mentioned, religious and spiritual. The arrangements and instrumentation is unique and draws me in. Uh, most of all, among that, you can enjoy Franzel's palette of woodwind tones, from everything from the big puffing dragon of the contrabass uh, clarinet uh, up through the saxophones and his really clear tone clarinet. Uh, we've got uh, those nice vibes, uh, piano, really interesting sounds, uh, meditative pieces. This is just right for a cloudy winter afternoon. Uh, sit down with some tea or a pot of coffee in the easy chair. And uh, it's a soothing recording. Yeah, all those fantastic sounds, you know, the accordion, you had the, um, like you said, the, the bass uh, clarinet, the, con you know, the bassoon, you know, all these, it's, um, there's a lot to listen to for the year. Mm. It's a very gentle album, very positive, and it's mostly tranquil. The, the last track, I'll Be Home for Christmas, was like you said, it's kind of like a hot club of Paris kind of yeah, yeah. arrangement to it, yeah. Um, I think this album goes for more than a mood, you know, than uh, kind of anything through the solos or things like that. Yeah. I just liked its its gentle approach. I thought it was really nice. Yeah, I liked it. It's not, as I said, it's not a Christmas music album per se, right. but it's yeah. kind of more religious. And uh, I yeah. learned something about these songs. It's interesting. You know, I, we were talking about this during the week, but in America where we grew up, you know, we of course, America invented the modern commercial Christmas, <laughs> right. turned Christmas into a money-making I, I think scheme. any secular song comes from America, yeah. really. <laughs> but, you know, we have, uh, you know, these more traditional Christmas customs, and each family has something a little bit different, and, but they sort of mixed from the immigrant nature. And so a lot of the things that we do at Christmas, I think, in the U.S., we don't really know the origins of specific 
sort of customs. And that includes mm-hmm. music too. I suppose, you know, depending on if you're Christian, whatever type of denomination or background of the church, there'll be certain sort of uh, hymns and carols that are selected. Uh, but a lot of them come from, you know, different countries. So I'm always interested in each European's country's music and yeah, Christmas too. traditions because they're kind of unique. And then I can sort of, you know, see the differences in those countries and take a guess at, you know, some of the things that filtered into uh, the U.S. Uh, with immigrants. Uh, it's, it's a good study. That's sort of what got me into classical music in the first place, really, just all the, the differences between cultures and things like yeah. that. All right. Now, here's the big bombshell recording yeah, of this the one year. we've been waiting for. Yeah. This is a real wake-up call. It was good. Yeah. This is uh, Winter a While. Cool twists on holiday classics. It's on Velocity Records, and it's by Robert Hicks. This one, as of right now, I cannot find it on Apple Music, so there's only going to be a link for uh, Spotify, and it's also on our uh, Deezer playlist. Yeah, luckily for me. There's a a contractual beef, or uh, it's just not there yet, Uh, but they better get it soon if they want to have it. Well, they mislabeled it or something. It could be there, and I searched for it it. twice, and I did earlier again today, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it uh, yet. Thankfully, there's copious uh, notes and credits for this on Bandcamp, and you really should pick this up. If you only have one Christmas album this year, this can do it all. Uh, We'll get into why that is. (laughs) Well, so if you don't know Hicks, uh, he's from Portland, Oregon. At the age of five, taught himself to play the piano by ear by listening to uh, 78 RPM records of Tommy Dorsey and Artie Shaw that he discovered in his grandmother's attic. (laughs) <laughs> and he started singing jazz at the age of eight, and then he began classical and jazz piano study with uh, Gene Comfer at age nine. And by 16, he was performing professionally around Portland. And he moved to Hollywood. He performed at the Silver Screen Jazz Club on Sunset Boulevard. His uh, compositions, let's see, one of his songs, uh, That Was the End of Me, was featured in a movie, Miracle Beach. And then that led him to actually start his own publishing company. Jobobo Music, uh, and he went on to compose for television, commercials, and film, and his first CD was called New Standards, and then his second CD, which you can find on streaming, uh, Textures in Hi-Fi, was recorded uh, in Hollywood with, uh, let's see, a big band ensemble, 19-piece all-star orchestra, including some famous uh, West Coast musicians, Pete and Conte Condoli, uh, Buddy Childers, and so forth. Uh, And all the music on this album here is uh, arranged and conducted by Hicks himself, including an ensemble of 36 musicians. And uh, it's something else. This is a real uh, masterpiece of arranging. And it's all going to start with the first track, Big City Christmas. And it starts out with a gong. I thought that was so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> now, remember that. There's a horn call with a string arrangement, uh, repeats and ascends, and then things get swinging with drums and bass and screaming horns to sleigh bells. And we're into part one called Uptown, which oh. has O Tonnenbaum. Uh, hmm. This is what uh, we heard before, kind of traditional German folk song and carol a great swinging fun uh with some powerful trombones happy bright jazz trumpet solo i think it's uh, paul mazio and then a barry sax solo from willie mathis uh, and then we have a string ensemble uh that takes us to 
part two called Waldorf, and this is the Nutcracker Overture from hmm. Tchaikovsky. Flute and clarinet solos there. Into another swinging big band arrangement for part three, Bergdorf, The Holly and the Ivy, a traditional British folk carol with ringing piano notes from Hicks himself on piano here. Uh, then we get a Latin breakdown, lots of percussion. <laughs> it transitions back to the strings and then to some slow swinging big band for While Shepherds Watched Their Flocks. We get a husky tenor solo from David Evans, a muted and then open brass arrangement here as well with some more great trombones, a section of vibes and piano, both by Hicks uh, and then on guitar, Suddenly, the saxes are rocking and honking. We have a great guitar solo by Billy Hagen for part four called Greenwich, Rockin' Away in a Manger. So basically a rock version of Away in a Manger. Hmm. Uh, William J. Kirkpatrick, James Ramsey Murray, traditional American carol. Uh, a drum roll transitions to a swinging muted trumpet line. And then we're into part five Vanguard, and that's to Jolly Old St. Nicholas, a tune by Emily Clark, Huntington Miller, James Ramsey Murray. Uh, there's some nice arranging with saxes and bones in counter lines, new melody ideas. Uh, the muted horns are back for We Three Kings. Uh, hmm. written by John Henry Hopkins Jr., a traditional American carol. The horns swing, and there's some chiming regal piano notes. Uh, the saxes take over with huge brass hits and shakes. And then the strings return with a little bit more of Tchaikovsky. The Latin percussion is back for a few bars, and the strings build up the tension to a cute ending with woodwinds and triangle. And that's just the first track. <laughs> I know. It's like a whole Christmas album squeezed into one like soup can there or something. Yeah. It's really amazing. I won't read all the musicians' names uh, here, but there's everything in here from French horn, uh, two trumpets, berry sax, tenor sax. Uh, we've got uh, timpani and uh, a whole string uh, quartet, basically, in here. Flute, piccolo, clarinet, oboe, bassoon, <laughs> English horn. Mm. Hicks himself is a piano, vibraphone, and triangle on <laughs> this track. Mm. So that's uh, off to a, a really <laughs> fun start. Track two, Bop King Wenceslas. I bet he would have liked to have been called that. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Good King Wenceslas, uh, John Mason Neal, Thomas Helmore. Finish Spring Carol. It's a stop time original melody line on flugelhorn and bass clarinet to get it going. And things are off with a walking bass line. The melody goes to flute and bass clarinet in a nice combination. Vibes join in for some jamming. I think that's Mike Horseful on vibes here. There's a fluid guitar solo from Dan Fainley. Paul Mazio gets a flugelhorn solo swinging nicely. And then there's a bass clarinet solo from David Evans and a bluesy flute solo from Tim Jensen. Horseful gets a vibe solo, then trumpet, flute, and bass clarinet return with the melody together and then split off into some different lines, then jam away with the vibes and guitar to the end. And Hicks ends it with some tension-building rising piano notes and a triangle chime. Track three, In the Bleak Midwinter. Uh, this is a beautiful string and woodwind arrangement. The pastoral tone of the English horn gets joined by oboe and then flute. It's really great. Clarinet comes in too. Uh, French horn fills out the soft and slow arrangement. Uh, there's some nice uh, harmonies along the way too. Gustav Holst, Christina Rossetti 
this uh, piece, but arranged here uh, by Hicks. This is this is a great arrangement. Mm. Just he's really good at uh, any kind of instrumentation. Uh, I was moved by this. Track four, Wassel Beat Suite, <laughs> based on Here We Come, uh, Wasseling, traditional English mm. carol. Hicks gives a rubato piano opening, uh, ending in a shimmering run, and we get a swing groove with bouncing bass intervals and Horsfall taking the melody on vibes with Hicks on piano. The trombones come in swinging hard on the melody, and Hicks chimes in the saxes and trumpet for a round. Uh, Horsfall gets a vibe solo over some nice rhythm guitar by Billy Hagen. Paul Mazio gets a harmon-muted trumpet solo. Suddenly, Hicks and the drums downshift the groove into lower gear for Tim Gilson to get a few bass licks in, and then more piano and vibes with Hicks getting a little solo. David Evans gets a bluesy and sassy tenor sax solo. Hicks takes over again, now bringing in a Latin rhythmic groove with Latin percussion, then gets a little solo spot too. The horns come in for hits and big Barry honks on Barry sax. There's a Latin trumpet solo up high. I think this is Giancarlo Viviano on the high trumpet. A drum transition brings the horns back to swinging on the melody. Then Willie Mathis gets a Barry solo, and there's some fun full ensemble swinging with trumpet shakes up high. A new Latin percussion section takes over with new horn lines and a muted trumpet filling it out until the horns stack to a scream and a furious pounding drum ending over big Barry and bass trombone nuts. <laughs> Very exciting mm. uh, yeah. arrangement. Winter A While, the title track, five, and uh, this is one of the original tunes on here. Music mm. and lyrics by John Hicks. Drums and horns beat it into a shuffle beat with some reverby pedal steel guitar from Christopher Wojtuk. There's a swinging thick horn line into the vocals from Hicks telling you that he's the guy you want to winter a while with. Uh, it's playful <laughs> with fun horn backing lines. Uh, Wojtuk gets a steel pedal guitar solo, muted trumpet backing lines. Then he gets an edgy Telecaster guitar solo sandwiched in between the slides. Mm. So he's uh, on each instrument. Hicks is in with the stop time start of the next verse. Lyrics like this, uh, hot spiced cider, leave out the rum. Don't ever want to catch you off your guard. Forget Jack Frost so we can get lost and get rescued by a St. Bernard. <laughs> so, <laughs> just good fun, uh, lighthearted stuff. Um, mm. It modulates for the final verse. And we're told, put on your parka. The night is going to get darker. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that only rhymes in Brooklyn, actually. Um, I think so. <laughs> it builds to a big finish with horns, and there's an unexpected final guitar lick uh, to close it out. <laughs> a real fun new winter holiday song here. I hope that catches on. It's kind of cute. Yeah, it is cute. Yeah. Mm. Now we've got six. I saw three ships come sailing in. William Sandys, a traditional English carol. This is really changing the mood. It's a very haunting piece, all performed by Michael Long on different instruments, uh, obviously multiple tracks, Ulian pipes, concertina, low D whistle, tin whistle, and Bodran, the Irish drum. So you're going to really be exported to the uh, aisles for this one. Only for a minute and a half, really. Only a minute and a half. Yeah. Because then those ships mm. come swinging in on the track so uh, this one swings from the start with trumpet and sax after a few bars of walking bass 
Piccolo and Tuba take a strain together. How's that for ends of the spectrum? <laughs> it's a great uh, <laughs> raging idea. Horsefall and Vibes and the horns get some melody. And then David Evans gets a swinging tenor sax solo. Paul Mazio follows on trumpet. Then uh, Fainley on a pearly toned guitar. Lars Campbell on a trombone solo. And then Hicks is next on piano, starting with a playful quote Popeye fans will recognize <laughs> and then uh, working a fun descending line into some bouncy fun licks. Tuba and Piccolo return into a horn section with Tuba joining in uh, more fully for a lot of fun and Tuba gets the last word or note that is in this fun arrangement. Track 8 Little Town of Bethlehem a tune by uh, Philip Brooks Lewis Henry Redner a traditional American carol as we know it a nice bass riff and alternating lush horn and vibe chords uh, get it started into a soft melody line with flute flugelhorn and bass clarinet i think uh, that's what i hear hicks adds some pretty piano trickles lars campbell gets a longing and lonesome trombone solo and strings come in for a backing arrangement then we get tim jensen uh, continuing over the strings with a warm and breathy alto flute solo horseful has a rhythmic vibe solo adding a little transposed jingle bells it's a little bit <laughs> out there david evans gets a liquid and soft bass clarinet solo and paul mazio on flugelhorn very nice snappy licks there tim gilson has a bass solo next with a big tone nice bendy notes uh, the original horns and vibes have another run with the melody with bass clarinet taking over for a strain and then there's a cool stacking of the horns to make a false climax which the flute carries out of with strings and then vibes and piano leading to a lush ending. Mm. All of these are great arrangements. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, they're really, yeah, yeah really yeah. clever. Yeah. All right, another little ethnic uh, infusion here. Arabian dance. This is uh, Tchaikovsky. Everyone will know. Right, this from, from the, the Nutcracker. Nutcracker. Right. This is Arabian dance coffee in yeah. <laughs> parentheses. And Arabian it is with Masoud Fuldemer opening it on the Santour. Oh, wow. Uh, which is a hammered dulcimer. Then we get a big string and woodwind arrangement of the familiar Tchaikovsky piece. A bassoon, bass clarinet, English horn, oboe all sound really great here. Hicks is playing finger cymbals on this track. And <laughs> uh, interesting, the Santor remains in the arrangement, coming more prominent later on at the end uh, for mysterious and exotic effects. So I really enjoyed this as well. We've got a full oboe, English horn, flute, bass, cornet, bassoon, two violins, two violas, two cellos, bass, tambourine, and finger cymbals. Uh, hmm. The name, I encourage you to, I don't want to take the time to read everyone's name uh, for each track, but it's all available under each track on Bandcamp. Uh, if you're curious, please do check out these fine musicians. Track 10, Deck the Hall. This is uh, Thomas Oliphant, a traditional Welsh carol. Starts with a high bassoon, sounding quite lovely, with a quote of the melody, but rather surrounded in more mystery in the phrase. I have no fear, though. The drums start up and swing it into a big band arrangement, uh, bass clarinet and trumpet swinging the melody. We get more with tuba and barry sax on the low end of the arrangement. And there's a French horn in here, too. Uh, we get barry sax solo from Metis and a tuba solo from Jatik Clark. Hicks takes a high tinkling piano solo. David Evans gets a regular clarinet solo. And the horns swing and build up to a screaming trumpets and drum breaks. Hicks transitions it to a new slow drum beat for a new interesting lush horn arrangement of offset instrument entrances, kind of stacking, including bass clarinet and tuba uh, that holds a long note. 
pretty solo chiming piano from Hicks changes the mood once again, but then starts a new rhythmic version of Deck the Halls, uh, having a fun modulating it uh, before the horns uh, return with another bassoon solo over rhythmic horn riffs. They pull out of that with a trombone lick into a slow swing and some piano and vibes together, both from Hicks. Lars Campbell gets a trombone solo, and there's a big swinging and screaming horn ending. Well, hold on, though, when you think it's over. There's one more scream to come <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> Not only that, but in the clarinet solo, there was they, they're really obsessed with a nutcracker. There's a Waltz of the Flowers quote. Um, oh, really? I didn't catch that. Solo. Oh, yeah. Cool. Now, uh, another one of Hicks' uh, original fun tunes. Uh, Holy Holly Holiday Hula. <laughs> See, <that's my> <laughs> this best. is a really great song. Yeah, this is it original? This is a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, this should this should be this should be a hit too. And yeah. This should be, become a big song. I liked it a lot. Strings and harp open this with some dramatic and dreamy piano from Hicks. Uh, he's added some Glockenspiel in here too. Uh, actually, plays that himself as well. And he comes in with the vocals over the super sweet strings, and then the steel pedal guitar in ukulele, uh, both from Wojtak, bring us directly on a flight to Hawaii. Uh, yeah. There's another fun and lighthearted tune, uh, rhyming hula and not spending too much moolah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's another Brooklyn rhyme, though. Yeah. Moolah is a Brooklyn <laughs> word. You get a fun steel <laughs> pedal solo on this as well. And Hicks uh, has a, a whistle uh, solo uh, in this, you know, just with his lips. Uh, the strings and flute give a dreamy ending with the final rising swoop of that steel pedal taking you into your mm. holiday fantasy uh, getaway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really cute tune. Got all the Hawaiian uh, sort of tones in there. A lot of fun. Have you ever seen the, any of those Bugs Bunny cartoons where Bugs plays the ukulele? It's got that kind of yeah. feel to it. It's just yeah, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And we're going to end up with, we wish you a Merry Christmas cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> it's traditional English carol, but not, not as done here. Latin percussion started out with a groove, and the horns come in with a powerful arrangement, including lots of screaming trumpets. I really like this arranging. Uh, the saxes take the song melody. Trombone gets a solo strain with a nice rasp in the tone, and the trumpets get a muted dance with the sax in counter lines. Tim Jensen has a fluttery flute solo, and then a piccolo solo right in succession. <laughs> I really <laughs> like how he, you know, we've got the steel pedal guitar and then the electric guitar solo by the same guy, and then here we've got flute going to piccolo. Hicks gets a really percussive piano solo, uh, and he's playing marimba on the tune as well <laughs> here too. Uh, there's a New arrangement of the melody with all the horns. Another short trombone solo over Hicks' marimba. More screaming trumpets in a band arrangement that lead to exchanges from Mazio's trumpet and Jensen's flute. And some bass clarinet puffs in there as well. Uh, everyone kicks in full bore to build it up, but Hicks contrasts with some playful toy-like sounding piano. Uh, then there's a huge band hit with trumpet screams. And how does it end? With the gong from the uh, beginning, gong, right? the bookends of the gong to close it all up. Well, I have to tell you, honestly, this is the most fun I've ever had listening to a Christmas recording. Yeah, probably me too. Or it's it's up there, certainly. This Hicks is, doesn't uh, hold anything back. He just If you can imagine, like, I'm going to do the ultimate arrangement of as much Christmas material in every style with every instrumentation I can think of. Uh, that's what he's done here. Great swinging big band arrangements, but his classically styled string and woodwind arrangement is really good as well. And the recordings of those 
sort of pieces, the sound quality is very lively and has this shimmering presence to it. It, It's just really great sound quality. And then he's got the exotic uh, instruments bringing in ethnic flavor, cheeky and fun, new original tunes. It's a total blast. So if you could only have one Christmas album, this one has all the bases covered. But as fun and, you know, lighthearted and uplifting as this is, I really want to say a lot of work went into oh, yeah. conceiving this. You could tell, yeah. Arranging it and, you know, this whole cast of uh, musicians. And uh, the result is really amazing. I remember when I was young, like my grandfather would kind of, you know, had be listening to this loud rock music and my grandfather would say to me, crazy, man. Like he just walked out of the 1940s, you know, (laughs) but I feel like if he was still around, he would say that if he heard this album, because it really is, this record is a major wow, is what I would say. Um, I think that's what what I would say to my grandkids now. Oh, this is a major wow. You know, they think I was... Yeah. Out of it. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I would say put this on and see how your uh, family and friends react. I mean, it really had me on the edge of my seat throughout, mm-hmm. uh, wondering what was coming next. We've got jazz and classical together here. So in a way, this album achieves what this podcast is trying to achieve, putting jazz and classical together. So there it is. It's really, it may as well just be the theme album of our podcast, I think. Um, it's not just jazzed up classical. It's, I mean, it's pretty straight too when it comes yeah. in. And it's just really well played. Creative approach to familiar tunes. Really fun listen. Highly recommended. Uh, this is I I ordered the CD for this. I just had to have it. It was. Oh, you got it. I'm gonna get this too. It's, yeah. it's on its way. Yeah, you had to get it from CD Baby though. But they have it on Amazon. So okay, you can get it from there. This is gonna be my my favorite Christmas recording <laughs> for a while, uh, just because it's so much fun. Yeah, this will this will be on the the yearly um, lineup of. Uh, now, I do have to say, as you said, play it for your family and friends and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, when I was listening to this rather late in the evening, getting excited about it, my wife was measurably less enthused. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just oh, because, man. well... I think she was in the relaxing mood. Oh, and, okay. You know, no, I, I was that. just like, whoa, whoa, listen to this and that. And, you know, so maybe earlier in the day in a more yeah. festive time. So I've also got a couple other picks for you here. Just, you know, for the kind of traditional, regular Christmas kind of uh, tunes in arrangements yeah. with vocals. I like those things too. But there's yeah, not a too. lot to talk about. Anyway, there yeah. are two... Uh, vocal jazz recordings that came out of note. One is by Jane Monheit, a hmm. well-known jazz singer. He's got a Christmas album out with some favorites on it there um, with kind of interesting arrangements, I thought. Uh, looking at the reviews, uh, a couple people on Amazon didn't like the arrangements, but I think they wanted them to be too samey-samey. Uh, yeah. I thought the arrangements kind of made it well. And uh, so this is on uh, Club 44 Records. Uh, I'll put links down there as well. So if you want to hear Jane Monheit's nice voice singing some of your uh, Christmas favorites, check that one out. And my wife likes Jane Monheit too, so I can put that on okay. and make her happy. And then I've got another one uh, here. This is by the singer Andy James. And she's got one out this year on Lecoq Records. Bells are ringing. More Christmas favorites here, but what makes this one kind of special, I thought, is the personnel on here. We've got big jazz names, such as a pianist that we both like, Bill Cunliffe, Mm. the great John Patitucci on bass. Uh, We've got Alex Acuna, Vinnie Coliuda on 
uh, percussion, and uh, Terrell Stafford, trumpet that we heard last week uh, on a recording. So kind of, you know, standard Christmas vocal jazz material, but with some killer musicians on there can pick up all the little groovy things they're doing underneath the vocals. So, yeah. So I think the adult music podcast is always looking for something that's a bit out of the ordinary. So oh, yeah. we would like the odd arrangement. We're always yeah. looking for the odd arrangements or the, uh, yeah. I think yeah, we succeeded this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, last year too. We're due, we're two for two, I yeah. think. So there you have it. Good Christmas music to get merry with. Yeah. I think you'll like uh, all this stuff. It's, I think, uh, you know, you can, you run the risk when you put on multiple Christmas recordings of having a great overlap of the same songs being right, on right, yeah. each album. But uh, we're only going to get a little bit of that and they're not going to be done in the same way with the program this year. So. So have a happy holiday season, everyone. It's coming up soon. We still have two more episodes to do before the year-ending um, uh, best of the year, which will actually be dropped on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, depending on the... Yeah, depending on when we do it. Depending yeah. on where in the world you are. Yeah. We'll, um, or Monday. Or the it'll be day on after Monday. Christmas, yeah. The day after Christmas, yeah. maybe. We're, we're going to record that on the Christmas weekend when we have yeah. our little Christmas celebration. And, right. Uh, play some of this. That'll be nice. In the uh, in the uh, the mountain lair, we're gonna have yeah, we've in the mountain got lair. it all. We've got it yeah. all decked out with boughs of holly. Yeah, we do. Got the Christmas tree yeah. up uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and the lights are shimmering. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a nice Christmas meal and figure out what the best of the best of this year tunes that uh, will make our list and the recordings that we'll cherish, right, um, and share again. So we got that to look forward to. I think uh, in the in the last two episodes. Uh, before then, I'm just going to eschew categories and get out things yeah. that I really want to do. Yeah, so, I'm sort of doing the same. You know, I got yeah. something I should have programmed a long time ago, but I'm finally getting to next week. Yeah. So, so yeah. you can find out uh, what that's going to be after this episode is published. Check the playlist for next week's episode on Deezer. There'll be a link to it on Facebook as well. Uh, I've got some, well, I can tease you a little bit. There's some Barry Sachs on there. Mm. There's uh, a young pianist that I really like. And there's a new pianist that, to me anyway, that I've never heard of before, uh, but I'm pretty excited about. So I just want to say the the three albums I picked for next week, they're they're not Christmas albums, but there's something Christmassy about them. And I'll let you know what that is uh, when we talk about them next week. Good. Here we go. So a lot to look forward to. As always, thanks to Fast Signs of Staten Island for a glowing neon logo. And be sure to check out those other podcast links that will be down there. If you need some more music podcasts during the week, Tom Gauker's Something Came From Baltimore, famous interviews in neon jazz and same difference. Two jazz fans, one jazz standard. Appreciate it if you check those out as well. Any last words for uh, this episode, Mike? Just happy holidays to everyone and happy listening, too. We have some yeah. uh, good tunes this week. Happy listening. For Christmas. I mean, I am uh, I guess I'm in Christmas mode now. I have to put it off until December. You know, the tree comes out and... Uh, well, Robert Hicks kind of jump-started us into that. Yeah, day. we've got the music yeah. going. And so mm. now I'm just looking forward to celebrating uh, when we do the end-of-year episode in a couple of weeks. So. All right. All right, so... This has been episode 92 of Adult Music, the podcast with music for the mature mind. Be sure to check out that playlist later in the day after you hear this episode, and you can get a heads up on episode 93 as we rapidly move toward 
our 100th episode coming soon in the new year. We haven't missed a week yet this year, and we don't. Yeah, that was our New Year's resolution, but we'll talk about that when we get there. (laughs) Yeah, when we get there. Anyway, until next week, Merry Early Christmas, Happy Holidays, and keep on listening. Gerald Albright, Maria Schneider, Charlie Hunter, Luke Robillard, Sean Jones, Walter Beasley, Steve Swallow. Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast and radio show, and it's not really about Baltimore. Subscribe to the podcast and listen to your favorite artist or future favorite artist. That's something came from Baltimore. And be a part of that Be More music scene. Joe Lovano, Jeff Coffin, Paula Cole, Denuso Makatani, Ann Passio, Chess Smith, Thumbscrew, mostly. Thank you.